Blog Talk Radio. Hello, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Welcome. Today's uh, Tuesday, the 20th of October. This year is really going by fast. Um, but let's get on to what we're here to talk about a little bit. And first, I want to start talk, talking about, uh, again, the West Foundation. Um, we started four years ago, and our purpose is to get kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Once again, we want them to chase their dreams. I've coached college ball for 25 years. If a kid didn't want to play on the next level, I probably wasn't as likely to recruit him because that drive to get to the next level helps him be the best that he can possibly be. And that's something that's just not going to help them on the field, but it's going to help them in life. Uh, So I wanted kids, and I want kids to chase their dreams. But the bottom line is there is a time that their sport is going to end. For some kids, it is 18 when they finish high school. For others, it's 21 or 22 when they finish college. There are some that get an opportunity to play, um, but as you know, NFL doesn't stand for the National Football League. It stands for not for long. Um, So getting a career in professional sports usually doesn't last that long. But if you're lucky enough to get 10, 12 years, you're still going to be in your early 30s, and now it's time to do something else. So we want to help prepare people, prepare these young people for success after they finish wherever that sport is and whenever that time may be. And that's kind of what we want to do here at the West Foundation. Now, I always like to start off tonight just talking about a thought. And my thought today is change. I think it's very important that we embrace change um, because it's going to happen, regardless if you want to or not. And here's, here's the thought just we're going to start to kick this off with. The difference between where you are and where you want to be is created by the changes you are willing to make in your life. A lot of people want to have that success that they dream of. But how many are willing to change their daily eating habits, if it's an athlete, their work habits, Uh, regardless of if you're looking at from an athletic standpoint or a professional standpoint, but there's got to be changes to be made. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You've got to change. And then here's the first step towards change is awareness. The second step is acceptance. Now, you must first know where you are to know if I need to make a change or not. And then I have to accept that I need to make a change, make that change, and then grow. Uh, I am a huge proponent of John Maxwell. And he said three things about change. One, change is personal. You have to change your life. You have to need to change. The second is to realize that change is possible. Everything can change. And in most instances, everything will change at some point or another. And then the third is that change is profitable. You'll be rewarded when you do change. So change is something that we have to embrace. And unfortunately, some people don't embrace change and they get left behind. 
if you look at Blockbuster, you know, they had opportunity, off one of the stand, to buy Redbox. But they said, no, we didn't want to do that. And now Redbox is still around, but Blockbuster isn't. So you have to embrace change. Now, another thing about change is if you're only changing your thinking and neglect to change your actions, you're going to fall short of your potential. So once again, it definitely starts with changing your thought process. That's where it starts. But I have to also change my actions. If my thoughts and my actions don't marry up, the possibility of you being successful dwindles. And then another thing you've got to make sure you understand is that you can't improve and avoid change at the same time. It just can't happen. Because the only way that I can improve is I have to make changes. You know, my son is in middle school right now. And he's playing football, middle school football, and he's also playing soccer. And one of the things that we talk about often is, son, what are you doing to get better? You have to do something different to get better. If I do the same thing over and over again, I'm not going to get better. So I have to change something. I have to change something. And then my last thing here, I just want to, uh, just as a overall outlook, and it ties in, is your life will respond to your outlook. Life is largely a matter of expectation. If you want to succeed, you must expect to succeed. When you expect things to happen, strangely enough, they do happen. Expectation energizes your goals and gives them momentum. When you believe something good can happen, it will happen. Set your goals high. If you want to succeed beyond your wildest expectations, You have to begin with some wild expectations. And I'm going to repeat that last line again. If you want to succeed beyond your wildest expectations, you have to begin with some wild expectations. So I have to think way outside the box of what I really want. And I I think a lot of times people limit themselves by what they think they can do. And then again, if I have to change my mentality before I can change my thoughts, so if I change my mentality, then my thoughts change, and then my actions can change, and it's a chain reaction. But the thing is, it's all about change. And for you to be as good as you possibly can be, you have to change. Now, today, uh, as a co-host, I have a good friend of mine uh, who I had an opportunity to play ball with down at the Citadel. He actually owns a record for the best completion percentage when he stepped in for Jack Douglas against Army. And he was 100%. Not too many quarterbacks can say they had 100% completion rate in the game. But, hey, um, help me uh, say welcome to C.J. Haynes. C.J., how you doing? I'm doing very well, Mr. Sands. Glad to be on tonight. Thank you. Hey, man, we're glad to have you. We are glad to have you. It's uh, been a very interesting week in football. And, uh, actually, I, I know that you're a Cowgirl fan. Um, so, so <laughs> as we look at Monday night, what happened? I, I was hoping you were going to skip over that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it, it's 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 interesting because you you um, your thought talking about change, and obviously the Cowboys are in the midst of a, a change that they hadn't planned on, and it's going to be yeah. very interesting to see how they respond to that. I know the offensive line's banged up. But lead, uh, losing their their leader and such a dynamic uh, young quarterback is uh, Dak Prescott. Um, it's going to be interesting to see 
how um, the, the first year coach and, and uh, Coach McCarthy handles that and, and how the rest of the uh, squad responds, especially the stars, starting with Zeke, um, but, but that defense and, and everybody else involved and because mm-hmm. Dak's not coming back this year. So it'll be interesting right. to see how they handle that change going forward. And you don't see Zeke putting the ball on the ground often, but he put it on the ground last night. Wow. And uh, yeah, that hurt. I think he that was hurt. trying to do too much. Yeah, and that's right. one of the things that, and, and you well know, you know, playing a team sport that um, sometimes you can try to overcompensate for the guys that aren't there instead of playing within yourself. And um, I think mm-hmm. that might have been a little bit of that last night. And that definitely happens. That's definitely happens. I've seen guys that sort of press a little bit too much, and in their pressing, they make mistakes versus just playing within their own selves and playing within the system. So that is definitely something. And uh, I was surprised. Of, I watched a little bit uh, of the first half, and as it got into the second half, um, I didn't have to watch too much to know what was going to happen. But uh, hopefully uh, Dallas will be able to, uh, even though I'm not a Dallas fan, so to speak, you know, I'm that steel curtain, which as I have to go on and say, hey, the question last week was, are the Brownies for real? And then they had opportunity to go against their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers showed up and showed out. And uh, tell you so what, I, they uh, they sent a they sent a, a message. They they went out and wanted to set a tone and and let Cleveland know still who was uh, the top dog in that division. Right, right, and that's uh. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but they got a big one this week because they got a big back that's been coming running downhill. And, uh, and I think the big thing to do with him is if you can stop him before he gets started, and, and that's still that still curtain look like it's coming back because that defense was running around with, uh, with with a chip on their shoulder big time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that was an impressive win for the Steelers this weekend, no doubt. Right. And then uh, – Another impressive win um, was the Bucks over the Packers. And, you know, the Packers actually, which is, to me, amazing in itself, this is game five, and it was their first turnover of the season. I mean, that's, that's pretty good to go through four games and not have a turnover. Uh, unfortunately, they went, they was up 10 to nothing and went back-to-back turnovers. One of them was a pick six, and – the Bucks never turned, never looked back, and they just kept pounding them. Uh, so that was a, a huge win for Tampa, and uh, I think it was an eye opener for uh, for uh, Green Bay. And I just heard a, a little bit of Rogers' uh, interview, and it was like, "Hey, this is a wake up call for us, and uh, we'll be back." So I'm interested to see how they how they come back this week and what they're going to do. Uh, another big game was the Chiefs and the Bills. Which the Bills actually played Tennessee last week, um, actually on Tuesday. So they lost that one. And then uh, both of them had one loss, and the Chiefs showed up, and, and they had a, another good game. So the Chiefs was able to pull that one out. So the Bills, what do you think of the Bills? I mean, uh, the Bills, this is the best start they've had in a long time. They, they came against two top-notch teams. Um, I think they're definitely a good team. But, but are they ready to go on and, and challenge for, for uh, that top-notch spot? What do you think? 
You know, I think this, that's, they're an interesting team. I think they have um, won the games that they should have won early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, there's no uh, shame in losing to Kansas City. That, that's a good program mm-hmm. over there. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that um, uh, the quarterback, uh, Josh Allen, has made huge strides, and I think their style of play will travel well late in the season when you start getting near those, that playoff push. And, and I think, they, um, I think they're going to benefit from uh, the Patriots coming back to the pack a little bit and, mm-hmm. and I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. I think they're going to be a playoff team, and nobody will want to go to Buffalo in the winter, I tell you that. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. That's a different type of cold. <laughs> yes, sir. That's a different type of cold. And then another one of the games that we had earmarked last week in the NFL was the Bears and the Panthers. And uh, the Bears were able to pull that one out. So that was – very interesting, a very a good week in the NFL. And now, before we get to college football, just a small tidbit, because I haven't watched a lot of it, um, but I do know that Atlanta was up 3-1, to one, and, and now they're going home. So is there really a curse in Atlanta? Um, you know, you think of this, you think of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Is there a curse in Atlanta? I tell you what, I don't. I'm not a very superstitious person, <laughs> but I can't argue against this in Atlanta. I mean, it. They they seem to have had um, a couple of big sporting opportunities in hand, and and let it get away. Um, certainly, I think that the situation with the Falcons is much more. Um, man, that, that had a lot to do with TV12 and other side and Mr. Belichick as well. But you would have mm-hmm. thought that the Braves being up 3-1, they would have found a way to get one. And um, right. so for the for the city itself, man, you feel bad um, because that city is a, it's a much better sports town than people give it credit for. And the good mm-hmm. fans there really uh, deserve um, a, another run at a championship. Well, hopefully they'll get one here in the next couple of years. Something's going to Somehow, they, they're going to have a new head football coach, which, speaking of football, Atlanta found a way to win this past week, um, which was big. And uh, we'll, we'll see if they can continue to do that. Now, just moving over to, to college football, uh, the place where I was last year, Coastal Carolina, they had a great game against ULL. And not only did they come off with a win for the first time in program history, they have cracked the top 25. So we're proud of those guys over there. They're doing a great job and looking for them to continue to uh, play well and do some things here as the season can, as the season goes on. Um, The game of the week was UGA and Alabama. And that game was tight there for a while and, Georgia definitely showed that, that they can go toe-to-toe, but Alabama was able to pull it out. And uh, we'll see. You know, Alabama still, they, they got Tennessee coming up this week. But, uh, so, again, it's the SEC. It's not like you're going to necessarily get a break. Um, you got another tougher opponent coming in. So, we'll see if they can continue their run, and we can see if UGA can get back on their feet and, and get themselves back going. Now, while we're talking about the top of the nation, Clemson, they were mad this past week, man. 
I don't know. I don't know who pissed them off, <laughs> but they were mad, <laughs> and they they really got out after Georgia Tech. And I mean, hey, when you when you hang seventy on somebody, whew, that's a tough one, bro. That was a tough one. Um, but but one of the guys I saw uh, a headline somewhere is Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback uh, in the land. What do you think about Trevor Lawrence? Mm. He's an incredible uh, athlete. Um, he appears to be an incredible leader. Um, and I tell you, it's the thing about Clemson to me is I think is much more than just uh, Trevor. I mean, that, that running mm-hmm. back, uh, Mr. Etienne, is something special yeah. as well. And just as a team, I, I posed the questions to some friends a couple of weeks back, man, is, is Clemson the most unbeatable team uh, since the U back in the day? I mean, they, they mm-hmm. look that dominant, that – Offense, obviously, they're led by those two studs, and then defensively, man, that that defense flies around and they shut people down. And yep, do. it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't think you can look at anybody in the country and just say, "Oh yeah, they can beat Clemson." Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're looking at something. We're witnessing something pretty special. I think. Yeah. Now I'm a I'm a detour just a little bit, um, because Travis Etienne is a guy from Louisiana. It's a guy that I actually recruited when I was at the University of Texas, San Antonio. And we were one of his first offers. Um, and then he blew up. So where I'm going with this is there was no spring ball this year. There was no summer camps. So who is the ETN of this class that is not as well known right now That that has to really – bring the eyes to him uh, during the season. So who is that guy? And then, you know, you have some states like Virginia and North Carolina aren't playing. So is he in one of those states that's not playing his senior year? Or is he a guy that might catch somebody's eye, um, but still might not be able to catch the Clemson's or the Alabama's eye or, or, you know, somebody in the power five. So that's just a question I often think about with recruiting because I know that the spring ball is so important and getting guys on campus with summer camp has been so important. But just a just a quick little break there. Um, another big one, we had uh, LSU in Florida, which was canceled. Now, of course, in Florida, they opened it up. And you live in Florida, CJ. They, they opened it up where they said, hey, anybody can play now. Oh, no, excuse me. Anybody, you can have as many people as you want in the stadium. Uh, I don't think a lot of schools still went to that because they was trying to stay within the CDC guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. But Coach Mullen, which they, he was planning on having LSU come to town, he was like, hey, let's pack the stadium because, of course, that's a home field advantage for a team that they got a packed house. It is an advantage. Um, but unfortunately, they had to shut it down because they didn't have enough players and there was a little um, – I think it was less than uh, – they had less than 50 that was able between the injuries and the COVID. Um, so down in Florida, what is it like down there, CJ, from a athletic standpoint? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty open down here, and it has been um, most of the summer. Um, that um, our governor started off pretty um, conservative, and he's um, opened up pretty rapidly uh, since that conservative start. Um, from athletic standpoint, um, I don't know. I mean, things have been pared down. They were pared down this summer. Um, Mm -hmm. But the the AAU basketball still went on. Travel softball went on. uh, AAU track. 
Um, there was never a big uh, discussion about not playing football. Um, they have right. uh, cut back some of the schedule. They're not playing a full 10 game high school schedule, but I think all the varsities are playing at least eight games. And so, um, so far it hasn't been detrimental. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think the, uh, the local authorities have really uh, stressed the fact that, you know, even though the state itself is open, I think each local municipality and each local county has kept some form of uh, safe distancing requirements, and certainly the school boards are very concerned, and so they're trying to make sure that our kids down here uh, stay healthy as they participate. But uh, fall sports um, are, are full go at this point, and so far um, in Marion County, where I lived, I don't think we've had any games canceled. Um, to the north, mm-hmm. there have been a couple, and down in Orlando a few, but for the most part, it's uh, surprisingly, it's gone pretty well so far. Well, good, good. The um, now your daughter's playing softball. How was that this summer? It, it was different. Um, you know, you, you talked about the change, and you talked about you know who's that um, young man who didn't get a chance to get on campus. That that hit the softball world squarely in the face um, because even till now, from the time they stopped playing college ball, I believe it was in March that the mm-hmm. D1 coaches couldn't get out and recruit. Um, so right. they're still in a dead period until the end of December. So what that means to young ladies graduating now is that these D1 coaches couldn't see them play live, couldn't bring them on campus uh, to work them out in camps. Um, and so there are some, some opportunities for kids to play at a certain level that might not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for those of us travel ball coaches, we've had to uh, change our approach. Uh, we've had to try to get quality videos into uh, the hands of coaches and uh, try to really, really rely on our relationships to get those coaches to uh, recruit uh, via social media and different video aspects, but also working with the parents and the, and the kids to get them to understand that, you know, there's still a lot of great softball not played at the University of Florida, not played at the University of South Carolina, uh, that some of the D2 schools or NAIA schools will still offer a great playing experience and more than that, an excellent education. So just changing, making that change, as you talked about earlier, um, of the expectations um, of these young people and getting them to see, you know, and you and I know very well, you know, playing at the 1AA level, there's still a lot of great football played at that level and a great yeah. education was attained. And so, you know, we really worked hard to get those young people to understand that aspect of the, the new normal um, as, that exists for us now. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, hey, uh, hopefully everything's going to – well, I know everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. Um, might not work out the way that they anticipated last year this time, but it's definitely going to work out the way it's supposed to. The um, And just moving back – into football, which probably the the biggest story of, of the week. Um, another school that I was I've coached at at one point in time was the University of South Carolina, and they had a huge win against Auburn, which I thought was definitely a something that they needed because they had a big win against Vanderbilt the week before, and this win just sort of helped their confidence. And, and CJ, as you know, expecting to win is definitely a part of being able to win and being able to come off of that 
very uh, solid win against Vanderbilt and then beating an Auburn team that they, that USC hasn't beaten since 1933 is huge. And uh, so I'm looking for those guys to do a lot of good things here in the future. Did uh, you get a chance to see any of that game? I did. I tell you what, that was a very impressive win for USC. Um, I hadn't followed a, a whole lot recently, but getting to see that game and getting to see that that defense uh, get after the quarterback and create some turnovers and and um, even without a full stadium, you you felt an energy there, and, mm-hmm. and you could see a confidence in that program and those young people that uh, will serve them well going forward. And um, you know, in this this new day, I mean, it's it's wide open. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be accomplished in a a team like uh, South Carolina can really make some hay with another uh, big win or two in the conference. Right. And who they have this week, um, I think, is sort of on the other spectrum of things, which is LSU. And, you know, LSU, uh, they lost a lot from last year's, last year's team. And I think they're sort of trying to figure themselves out right now. So I, I think it's going to be a big week for LSU. And it'll be a big week for South Carolina as well because if South Carolina can win, now they're really starting to get that confidence level um, to increase. Uh, and then LSU on the other side, they need a confidence booster. So I think it's going to be another dogfight, another Tigers, uh, another group of Tigers that, that uh, the Gamecocks got to get ready to take care of. Yeah, they, that, uh, how, how big would that be for Coach Muschamp to get back-to-back wins against Auburn and LSU? Yes, oh, yes. That that would be huge, huge. And uh, like I said, just from a confidence standpoint, now all of a sudden, you know, hey, you're ready to take on any any and everybody, which you're ready to take them on anyway. But just having that level, knowing, hey, we have knocked off Auburn, we have knocked off LSU. Hey, we got this thing rolling now. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's continue this to keep getting better. And, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. On the other hand, Mississippi State started the year off beating LSU. Um, and then they went to Texas A&M this past week, and, and now they find themselves one and three. Uh, so Mississippi State's another one that's sort of in, in the phase of, hey, we got to find a way to get a win. And I think one of the hardest things to do in college football is to get a win. So, you know, sometimes you know, people talk about, man, that was an ugly win. But guess what? I'd rather have an ugly win than a good loss any day of the week because the bottom line is you won. And uh, I can learn so much more from that ugly win that most people are saying that they don't necessarily want. It is what it is, CJ. It is what it is. Get that win, baby. Get that win. But, hey, we're going to get ready to go to a break. Uh, we got a great guest list um, here for you. Um, we're going to have uh, a defensive lineman with the L.A. Rams. We've got a police officer. We can talk about community policing and engagement with police. Um, we have a former coach that is now a business owner. And then we have the University of South Carolina's head basketball coach, uh, Frank Martin, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. So we've got a great guest list, and uh, we're looking forward to a great conversations with him. So you all just hang on. We're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be back here in a few.
everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and we have our first guest of the evening, Mr. Eric Banks, who's a rookie defensive lineman with the L.A. Rams. Eric, how is everything going? Everything's fine. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Now, just a, a little, I'm going to let Eric tell us a little bit about himself, but my, my first recollection of Eric playing, his very first college play. Now, just think about this now. He's a defensive lineman. And we had him on the kickoff team, or we call it the attack team. So the very first play of his college career, he runs down and separates the ball carrier from the ball. So his first play, he he causes a turnover. That was a that was a great feeling, wasn't it? Yeah, I still I still get goosebumps thinking about that moment sometimes. <laughs> well, good man. Well, hey, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? And uh, what kind of sports did you play growing up? Uh, well, uh, hey, uh, to everybody that don't know me, I'm um, Eric. I'm uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my first sport was uh, was football. Uh, that's that's what I started playing at the age of, I think five or six. You know, mama had me in there early, but I I played. Of course, in little you play from everything. So I was football, track. Basketball, and that was that's pretty much it. I couldn't, I never got into baseball because I was always either football or basketball. So you know those seasons in the twine, so I could never get into it. But um, yeah, from uh, high school, I was, my main position was QB. I was a quarterback first, and I was a quarterback all the way to senior year. So my senior year high school, that's when I started playing DN. I was playing both, going two ways each game. And, you know, started getting offers for both of them. Um, and, you know, UTSA came recruiting me. And, you know, the rest is history. That's where I ended up. So, how was it playing quarterback? And then as soon as, uh, you know, you had to punt the ball or you scored a touchdown, you had to go to the defensive side. How was um, that from a mentality it, standpoint? Uh, from a mentality standpoint, it was – it used to be crazy sometimes because you just made a big play on offense or or I was just talking noise on offense, you know what I'm saying, talking smack on offense and got to turn around and now I got to got to stop them from, you know, doing the same thing. It was right. it was fun, but at the same time, it was, it was, I always thought it was kind of funny how it happened. Sure. I go from, yeah, yeah, we just, you know what I'm saying, we just go, so on, so on, so on. So then I turn around, got to get my gloves from the sideline and, Put my hand in the dirt and go try to stop them from doing the same thing. <laughs> nice, nice. Now the uh, now who offered you a quarterback? Um, Memphis came late. That's the okay. that's probably the only reason I didn't. I uh uh I switched over to D line. Honestly, if they would have, right. like, I, I always said they probably would offer me a quarterback. I definitely was gonna go just just because, okay. but. But Memphis was one. Um of small school. I think Missouri State not nah, Missouri State wanted me for D line or D N. Uh Mississippi Valley. I think they wanted me for quarterback. It was another HBCU school. I can't remember which one though. Right, right. I did not now, say college, much, then, I'm sorry. Hey, go ahead, Coach. Oh, uh, how much were you weighing when you came out of high school? When I came out of high school and college, I was probably 220. 220. And now you're 270. Yeah, 280. 280. 
You know, put on some more yeah. <laughs> The uh, you know, I was talking with one of the Memphis coaches once, the defensive coordinator, and he was asking me how how much you would weigh. This was when you were probably your probably going to your junior year. And he's like, man, I knew we should have took that. Deal. So uh, there's one thing now. It's sometimes those defensive linemen aren't very big, but you got to go in and see that they got the potential to grow. And if they got the potential to grow, they can grow into an Eric Banks. And next thing you know, he's playing on the next level. So, but how has your journey been to get to the NFL? Uh, it was, it was, of course, you know, due to the Sports, in sports, period. 
Um, yeah. Since you've been there, how has uh, COVID sort of, I'm sure you talked to some of the older guys, how has it changed the preparation? Um, the only thing it really did was just, uh, I mean, it eliminated OTAs for the rookies and the first year guys. That was pretty much mm-hmm. it. We, we, was, we still able to have, we were still able to have camp. Even though okay. we couldn't have preseason, but we were still able to have camp and stuff. So, right. Um, okay. From the older guys' perspective, I think the biggest thing is just uh, preseason because some of those, uh, some of the older guys, you the preseason is like they look prime of games too, you know, because mm-hmm. that you know they help them get back and you know get back in the field of thing, the groove of things for the season, and they'll be good. Right. But because of that, we didn't have that. That's that's all the thing different from their perspective in that. The uh, I got a buddy of mine that's uh, the special assistant special teams coordinator at the Green Bay Packers, and he said that they have to wear like little watches of some sort um, to make sure you're not around somebody closer to six feet. So it sounds like yeah. they're not playing games with the social distancing. I imagine is that league wide. Yeah, it's uh we got they call it the next Suns, and it's just like yeah for social. Uh, contact tracing thing, so it's a right. little little chip, and you see it got a light on it, and when it's blue, that means you're good. But when it's when it turns, if it starts blinking red, that means you are within five feet of somebody with with the connection on. So, right, and we gotta wear those every day, and we gotta wear masks throughout the facility. At least only time we don't have to wear masks is practice and uh, when we uh, lift the weights. Okay. All right, all right. Now, from a strength, uh, a strength uh, situation, how much different is the lifting between what you did there and what you did uh, at UTSA? Um, it only, I think it's different from UTSA. I don't know. We the uh, I'm pretty sure some colleges that do this, but um, the biggest difference is for me is is more volume lifting, uh. Mm-hmm. Velocity lifting than 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 trying to get heavy you know heavy weight. So right. it's like if you can if you can push the weight, uh, that's fine. But as long as you can do it at this speed, you know what I'm saying, to maintain explosiveness mm-hmm. and twitchiness and all that, then you do it. You can go up as much weight as you want to. But if you're going up too much and you're not meeting the bar speed, they'll make you go down to a speed that you're making. So you know what I'm saying, just to do that. So that's about the only difference. But other than that, I mean. Uh, it's really pretty much up to you, honestly. I mean, they, they, of course, they're gonna have us a workout schedule and all that for you. But mm-hmm. if you, if you feeling a certain type of way, like you, your body can't do this, your body can't do that, they're not gonna force you to do something that you can't do or you're not comfortable doing. So it's right. like it's on you. It's what you put into is what you will get out, pretty much. Well, hey, that's the, everything, isn't it? Yeah. Now. So you had a transition from high school to college, and now you're in a transition from college to the NFL. How do you compare those two transitions? Well, both of them, you're coming from being, you know, the top dog to just one of the dogs, and then it's interesting with your transition there. You've come from one of the top dogs to being just one of the dogs. But how's that transition been uh, for you? Um, it's a, you know, just another, I look at it as a, pretty much the same as coming from high school to, to college. I mean, it's just a step up, you know, it's just another learning mm-hmm. curve you got to go through. 
that's that's how I look at it. I mean, it's nothing. No, same, same, same formula. Guys, bigger, stronger, faster. That's all, you know. The, the competition bump up a little bit, a little bit more than what it was, and that's just how that's how I look at it. So I mean, not nothing really too different with from a transition standpoint. But uh, the biggest difference between college and the league so far for me has been it's more, it's more. You you figure out it's just really more it's more of a mental game than it is physical. Like your your physical ability and all that, your talent. Of course, you need that. You don't know that you want to be able to play, but in order for that to thrive, you got to be smart. You know, it's between the ears, you got to be smart up top too. So that's been the biggest thing. Like it's, it's more of a it's more of an emphasis on the mental side of the game in the league than it is in college. Yeah. Yeah, which is, it's that is so true because again, in the, in the NFL that's your job, so uh, yeah. you have more of an opportunity to and, are, and ex, definitely expected to do more studying um, of your opponents than than you are in in college because of course college you still got to go to school. Now we expect you to do that as well, but I'm sure much higher level than the NFL. I want to understand that. Studying the game, being a student of the game, is going to help you be the best that you can possibly be. And I hear a lot of people talking about how they are students of the game. You know, I did an internship with the Carolina back in 2009. And one of the things that I saw that I thought was really impressive was after practice, after practice, the Minister of Defense was out there working. Everybody else is gone. And he's the only one out there getting that work in. Um, but that's that's making sure you fine-tune that physical aspect, but I'm sure he spent his time in there studying as well. Uh, have you had a chance to take a look at any of the UTA teams so far? Oh, yeah. I saw the, I saw the, the, uh, the uh, Texas State. And the BYU okay. game, you know, they were both on ESPN. Right. So right. I was able to catch those. But the other games, I couldn't catch. They don't play They don't play uh, those games on this side, okay. on this coast, unless you could, like, go to a bar or something. Right, right. It was, they had a great winning game state. And uh, came a little short to get BYU, but they showed some flashes. Yeah, the BYU is just, you know, a couple of bad mistakes at the end, hit the punter, ran into the punter twice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. So they didn't really have a chance to, you know, score and, you know, and at least attempt to score. But that's all it was. It's a bad, really bad mistake. But, yeah, they did play very well against uh, BYU, too, considering the fact mm-hmm. they just came off of beating our tick 50-something to like 10. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. that was a big win for you. Uh, I mean, they, they did show some great some great stuff against BYU. Yeah. So UTSA, hopefully they can go on and continue to get better and, and make some hay. And uh, I, I didn't, I lost my schedule. But who do they have this week? Do you know? Uh, I think they have La Tech. Yeah, La Tech. There's La Tech. just came off a good win this past week. So now they're in the conference play, and, and we'll see if UTSA can go on and turn that corner. Because we were we were really close when when you were there. And it's time for them to go on and turn that corner and, and be uh, a dominant team in Conference USA, which I think they can be. 
Yeah. Now, do you ever get a chance to speak to uh, Marcus? Not really. Not really? Uh-uh. Uh, the, um, now, did anybody else get picked up this year from UTSA? Uh, uh, Josh, I think we had we had old line get picked up, but I don't think he made it through camp. Okay. Who was that? Uh, Josh Dunlop. I think he was there when you were there. Yep, yep. I know Josh. I know Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was yeah, he was fresh when you got there. Like y'all just had guys from the transfer. Yep. yep, yep. So, so Josh made. What team did he uh, was he in camp with? The Chargers. The Chargers. Oh, did you all get a chance to hang out while you were there? Nah, you know, kept when we had the protocols. I'm pretty sure. Well, I just, no, I, yeah. I got a car now, but at the time I didn't have a car, so I'm pretty sure he didn't have one either. Right now, what was the protocols like during camp? Were y'all just y'all couldn't go anywhere? Y'all just had to stay in the hotels. Yeah. So the first week it was it was acclimation period when the, when we reported for camp it was acclimation. Right. So like the literally like the first five I think five six days. We was just at the hotel, so every morning they'll come get us to go test, uh, mm-hmm. do COVID testing, then we get right back on the van and we, we come right back to the hotel. We were at the hotel for the rest of the day. We did that for like five, four days, and then and we had like Zoom calls while we was at the hotel and stuff to like you know serve meetings or whatever just to stay on pace. And um, right. we did because we have had MRIs and physicals and all. They did all the health, the you know paperwork and all this stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. after that. It started the ramp up period, so it was it started slow. We was just in shorts and uh, shorts and t-shirts there for like a week, but we were still doing like walkthroughs, jogthroughs, really, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, trying to get back in the rhythm of things. Then it ramped up every week. I think it went up like so. We, this week could be the next week. We went from shirts and shorts. We was in helmets. Then it went from you know helmets to pads and on, you know, uh, on fourth or whatever, and then that's how it went. Okay. All right. All right. And so y'all just, well, you pretty much was in the hotel for the, for the what, about three or four weeks? Yes, sir. Literally, just the only place I could go. <laughs> and I imagine they kept everybody out of the hotel as well, huh? No, nah, we was in a regular we was in a regular hotel with with other people too. It was open to the public, just yeah. It wasn't it wasn't that cut off. We weren't like Seattle. Right. So Seattle just cut everybody out, they just had a hotel just for the team? Uh, I I believe so. That's how the I think that's how the dude got in trouble. With the uh trying to sneak his girl in there. Did you just see that story? <laughs> nah, I missed that one. CJ, do you remember yeah, seeing anything on that? Yeah, yeah well, man, that was the, that was the talk of uh, sports world for a while, and all the uh, talking heads. Because I think he was an undrafted guy as well, and uh, got yeah. busted. And uh, they were saying that you know he already got a hard time making the team, and then he got busted trying to sneak a uh, young lady into the room. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you gotta be smart, smart man. man. You gotta keep the main thing. <laughs> He tried to he tried to dress up as one of the players, put it put the put no. on his head. Yeah. <laughs> See that's not like that. That's where we've been in the Citadel days. <laughs> <laughs> now see Eric, we went to an all male school. 
So there were some guys that had girls dressed up in, in they just put just their PT to put the hood over their head like there was a guy just ran <laughs> to the beach. Hey. So now there's, there's females there now, but some guys <laughs> tried that today. So, but he tried to dress I was up not like one of them. <laughs> he neither was I. He neither was I. <laughs> Had to make sure my wife heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eric, let me ask you this. If you were talking to a young man or young woman that had aspirations to uh, play professionally, what advice would you give them? Um, like they come from college? Say they're in high school. High school? Uh, well, first I'd tell them to embrace college, you know, embrace school, you know, say enjoy it. Enjoy college, make the most out of it because it don't go by fast, and um, don't take it for granted. Uh, what's some other advice I give? Them? Uh, network, you know, what I'm saying step outside your box, you know, don't 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 stick to what you used to because you know sometimes the opportunities is elsewhere, is out, you know, what I'm saying it's not in what you used to, it's out, it's, in, it's outside the box, and you got to go get it. So uh, be willing to step outside your comfort zone, but. Uh, as far as going pro, um, and consistency, consistency is definitely key. You know, you got to have a routine, um, got to be disciplined, got to be responsible, um, um, and know yourself, you know, just be smart and make the right decisions. I, what I mean by know yourself is if you a guy that you're not a good morning person, you don't like getting up in the morning, and you, you know what I'm saying, you are the alarm is not enough, you know what I'm saying, try to find somebody that's in your corner or, or ask for help or to tell them to call you or do, you know what I'm saying, that'll have your back. If you got a girl, tell them to wake you up or, you know, just, just go the extra mile if you if you know you need their help. Don't be afraid to ask for help and things of that nature, but that's about, that'll be my biggest thing. And oh, your work ethic, too. Your work ethic has got to be Ten times is you know hard as it was in college. That's the, definitely um, advice I You know, you know, just speaking of work ethic, um, one of one of my players uh, before running back was like, you know what, coach? Some guys have a million appetite, but they got a minimum wage work ethic. And unfortunately, that is true for some guys. They, they can be talented enough, um, but they're not willing to put in work. And I think that's definitely critical uh, for guys to be willing to put in their work. Because there's, you know, there's no guarantee, even if I put the work in, that it's going to happen. The only guarantee is if I don't put the work in, it definitely will not happen. Uh, but to give yourself a chance, you got to put that work in. So stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Exactly. Exactly. And that is that is so true. That is so true. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And that's going to be one right there. The, um, now, what does the rest of the week look like for you all? Uh, this week, we got a Monday night game. So, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, lighter. Like, uh, everything got kind of pushed back. So, Tomorrow we just got pretty much walkthroughs, but we back on our regular practice schedule on on Thursday. Right. Okay. All right. Well, good man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, 
Good luck to you all this week. Expect you all to go on and pull that win out on Monday yes, night. Appreciate it. And hopefully sometime we'll be able to get you back on again. Yes, appreciate it, Coach. All right, man. Appreciate you. You all have a good one. We're, we're going to okay. take a quick yeah, break, and we'll be back here in a few minutes. Hey, this is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back, getting ready to start the second hour. Uh, we have Sergeant 
Phil Abdu with us. Phil, how's everything going? Good, good. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, man. Well, I haven't seen you in a while. Now we had a, we had a chance to play together uh, many years ago, and we haven't been together in a while. So, hope everything is going well your way. It is. It is. Uh, I truly appreciate that, and uh, I'm really hoping uh, everything is well with you and yours. Yep, definitely, definitely. Now, as we get into, just tell us a little bit about you know uh, where you're from and and how you got into your spot with the police force. Okay. Um, so I'm originally from the Detroit metro area, um, a little city called Mount Clemens, just north of Detroit. And I, uh, I ended up making my way um, around the world a couple of times via the U S army. Um, and uh, as you know, you know, we played football together at Citadel mm-hmm. uh, military school, went into the service, when I got out of the service, I started running some businesses, um, nursing homes in particular, and it just, it was a very good opportunity, um, and I could help people, but it didn't give me the, quite the satisfaction of what I wanted. I was looking for more um, community service, something mm-hmm. with a little more um I guess, help to the community overall. So I decided uh, being a police officer would be a way that I could give back to the community and protect those that uh, need protecting. Um, You know, kind of like a lineman in football, you know, has a desire (laughs) to protect his quarterback. Exactly. Both CJ and I love our linemen. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, well, might be uh, you need them out there, um, but they also have to be smart. Yeah, you know, just uh, just like um, you know, with, when we're looking at law enforcement today, um, officers today have to be smarter than ever before, and um, that's something that uh, I know we're trying to work on. Definitely trying to mm-hmm. work on. Yeah. So, Which, as you know, you sort of lead into it. It's, it's a crazy time in America right now. Um, and there's absolutely. been a lot of altercations with police officers. Um, just sort of hit on some of those for us. Uh, well, there's, uh, you know, most people have seen the news, um, you know, with uh, George Floyd, um, you know, from from George Floyd to Breonna Taylor, um, even going back to Eric Garner um, in New York City, uh, there's mm-hmm. there's been several very high profile cases that um, that involved law enforcement, particularly using force. Um, and then the question comes up: Was the force not just was it legal, um, mm-hmm. but was it necessary? And was it appropriate? Because sometimes legal isn't necessarily appropriate. Um, and and from uh, a law enforcement perspective, <clears throat> as a law enforcement community, we tend to look at the legal sense. You know, well, is it legal or wasn't it legal? Well, if it's legal, then fine. But we have to broaden our horizon a little bit on our end and start looking at 
okay, it might be legal, but was it right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things I do at my department, um, I work for a large uh, police department in the state of Michigan. We're the sixth largest police state, uh, policing agency in the state of Michigan. And I'm our lead use of force instructor. And uh, so I teach all of the officers from verbal communications all the way up through our self-defense training, our rest training, all the way up through our, our uh, weapons training. And I, I, the perspective I think that we need to take with us as a law enforcement side is there's, there's force that's legal mm-hmm. um, and just, there's force and justified and right. There's force, there's force that's not justified and illegal. And then there's force that's justified, but wrong. Okay. Um, and, and so as a law enforcement trainer, um, I think it's up to trainers like myself to instill that into the officers uh, because just because something's legal doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Um, right. And that's one of the things I think society is looking at. Uh, I think society as a whole is looking at it saying, you know, Sarge, it, it might be legal, but that doesn't mean it's right. And that's where some of the disconnect comes in because of the, the two differing thoughts. I look at it as a legal perspective. You look at it as if it's, you know, from the, and mm-hmm. until we bridge that gap, um, there's not a whole lot of common ground, but that's imperative on people, particularly law enforcement officers like myself who train to help bridge that gap through the training of the officers. Um, and that's, uh, that's a, a, um, an ongoing issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think society right now is looking at saying, Hey, look at all of these cases that are out there. Look at George Floyd. What happened? Not just what happened. We saw what happened, but why did that happen? And let's talk about the reason for it. So we can fix it, not right. just about, you know, and the legality of that one is still, um, you know, the courts to decide. Um, I know that, you know, he's been charged. Um, and and uh, so that is a whole issue that is upcoming. But with that, there's questions that are being asked that I think should be asked. 30 years ago, it wasn't asked because we didn't have eyes on, if you will. Um, so I think there's some very good questions that need to be answered. And I think it's, it's up to, um, police to kind of start that, that ball rolling as well as society, because we have seen a change in society over the last 30 years. Um, but we can't stay stoic and say, well, this is the way we've always done it. Or we stay stagnant. Right. So, now, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The uh, give me your opinion on this. I believe um, that there are uh, most 
officers are, are doing the things the way it's supposed to be done. And from a just professionally in all aspects of professions, I believe there are good coaches. I believe there's bad coaches. I believe there's good officers. There's bad officers. I believe there's good teachers. There's bad teachers. I believe there's good business people. There's bad business people. The thing that I don't think has happened is the bad police officers haven't been held accountable. Because um, if, regardless of your profession, if it's bad, hold them accountable. And if you find it, but it seems like it's sort of, okay, that's not good, but you can come on back to work. Is that kind of, am I wrong thinking that way? Or what's your thought well, on that? You're not wrong because, um, as we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, perception is reality. So mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, um, I can tell you all the statistics in, in the world to show that, you know, 99% of the officers are good or whatever the sticks are. And, and I have them, mm-hmm. but um, let's just, we'll just say that, you know, I can give you statistics that it's good. But meanwhile, you look and say, well, what about this? You say, well, that's an anomaly. Well, what about this? Well, that's an anomaly. Well, eventually those anomalies lead people to go, wait a minute. And those are the hard questions that we need to ask. And so our bad officers being held accountable um, goes back to um, the, is it legal and right or is it legal and wrong? I haven't seen very many officers that have been illegal, use, we'll say force in particular, force mm-hmm. that's illegal and have been retained. But I have seen officers who have used force that's legal but not right retained. Right. And I think that's more where society has an issue because now you're saying, well, in the very fringes, you know, Society, I believe, in my opinion, wants officers that do the right thing, not right. just the legal thing. Exactly. So with that, yes, there should be questions as to, sure, that was legal, but are we gonna hold an are we gonna keep a coach? Sure, the coach had a winning season at six and five, five years in a row. He's not getting us where we need to be, where we want to be as right. a fan base, as a school. So what do we need to do? We need to make a change. And that is one of the things that in the, in the um, police or the law enforcement um, aspect, we need to start looking at and saying, just because it was legal doesn't mean it was right. And, and if that's the case, then we need to start holding those accountable, those officers accountable as well, mm-hmm. because that's where the disconnect is. I, I, working in and around the Detroit metro area, and we border Detroit, so okay. we see a lot of um, bleed over from Detroit as far as um, the drugs, the the even petty crimes. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when you look at that and you say, okay, you know, why is this happening? 
and and people say, you know, we're tired of this. We want our police officers to go out and arrest bad guys. They, the society as a whole, and, and I'm very, very fortunate. In my area, we have tremendous support um, for law enforcement. Um, all they want, all all the people that live in my area want is for us to do the right thing. Don't say the legal thing, say the right thing. And that's mm-hmm. what we should, as law enforcement, be striving to achieve the right thing, not the legal thing. So, yes, I do believe we need to hold officers accountable, just like a teacher that might be teaching, you know, their their math, and, okay, my students are passing, but everyone's passing with a C minus. Where's the problem? You know, so I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. As we were talking earlier, um, you were talking about how we should respect police, but you also said that we should demand respect ourselves. How how does that work, and, and how can we demand respect? Well, one of the things, um, it, being um, an instructor, particularly for communication skills for law enforcement officers, um, you know, I try to to talk to them and. An officer should be talking to people respectfully because we know what's the, what's the one thing that's a, the biggest trigger for defiance or for um, somebody to get agitated. Right. And, and it's really disrespect, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I disrespected you, either called you out of your name or, used some tone or, you know, wording that was inappropriate, particularly if it was in front of your family, you would be upset. Right. As you rightfully should be. Mm-hmm. So when we look at it, first, people should demand to be treated with respect. And it doesn't need to be a confrontation. If I go up on a traffic stop and I say, I need your license, registration, insurance, and somebody goes, well, you're being very rude to me. Well, now that starts that confrontation off, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's started by me or by them, it gets off on the wrong foot. And mm-hmm. now who feels disrespected? Eventually, both people do because now you're in a response that's an emotional response rather than a cognitive thinking response. So I always tell people that say, well, how do I demand respect from a police officer? Um, And I always tell them, look at the officer and say, you know, sir, ma'am, could you please speak to me like an adult? I would like to speak to you as an adult. And this way we can resolve anything we have, um, any conflict we have. And what that does is it puts the officer on notice that, yes, I'm speaking to somebody who is demanding respect. And as an officer, I do that myself. When I talk to somebody, and if they start yelling at me, um, you know, it happens once in a while, uh, I simply say, you know, sir, I'm, I'm treating you with respect. I'm only asking for respect back. 
let's talk about this as adults and see how we can resolve the situation. And that usually brings people down. It doesn't always, nothing's 100%, but at least this serves notice that I want my respect and I'm going to you with respect. Because growing up, we've all heard, you know, respect's a two-way street, okay? Whether I give you respect first or you give me respect first, the bottom line is somebody has to reach out with respect, and it forces the other person into respect. And if it doesn't, then I always tell people, everyone has a boss. Right. right. The side of the road's not the time to argue it. Exactly. exactly. Talk to somebody's boss. They, mm-hmm. they have a boss. If you don't get the results or satisfactory answer, then speak to that boss's boss. Because again, you everybody has a boss, and ultimately, law enforcement's boss is society, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things we have to keep in mind. We are granted our authority and our power by the people in which we serve. So, you know, I, we I would always advocate never arguing anything on the side of the road. Always be respectful, but then remind people if you're being disrespected or if you feel like you're being disrespected, because again, perception's reality, to call them out on it. But in a manner that gives respect. And if it's not reciprocated, the venue to take care of that is with their boss, not on the side of the road. Um, Because that leads to more problems. Now, Phil, did you see the mule? The view? The mule with, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Um, but there's a scene. There's a plate. There's the guy getting pulled over. I want to play this scene real quick, and then let's just talk about this. All right? Hold on one second. Okay. Brown, you see this? So they're in the process of pulling the guy over right now. Yeah, let's pull him over. Okay. I'm slowly exiting my vehicle. How you doing? I'm not a threat, sir. Please don't shoot right. me. Please don't shoot me. Don't worry about it. Relax, relax. Put your hands my on the hands hood. are on the vehicle. Great. You don't have any weapons on you, do you, man? No, sir, no weapons. Right. I'm very tense right now. Do you have any drugs in the car? No drugs. Not high, don't have any drugs, never had any drugs. Okay. All right. You know, statistically speaking, this is the most dangerous five minutes of my life. I'm being pulled over by law enforcement. It's okay. Take it easy. Just breathe. You want me to breathe? You want me to relax? The chances of me dying during a routine traffic stop are greater than, than I don't even know. I mean, it's the most dangerous five minutes of my life, man, being pulled over by law enforcement. Come on, respira, man, por favor, respira. I don't speak Spanish. I, I have no threat. That's you? Yeah. Right, please. Okay. 
<laughs> Sorry to inconvenience you. Have a good day. Thank you for your service. Now, that's it was in a movie, but I'm sorry that it, that's that's real. When you get pulled over, um, you know, especially a, a person of color, um, it, it is different. It is a especially now a reason that sort of tense up just because of some things that have happened. So, what's the best way to handle that? The uh... I know that was a clip from a movie, but that still pains me because movies generally are follow some some reality. So right. somewhere somebody had that as a reality, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And that and that pains me because people shouldn't be afraid of the police. That being said, um, you know when when you when you look at um, Getting a, a traffic stop is potentially one of the uh, biggest dangers because the officer is going into the unknown, and mm-hmm. the citizen is, and they may or may not know what they've done wrong. Some people know, and they go, oh, I was doing 75 and a 30. I know I'm speeding. Other right. people, they don't know. They, they weren't paying attention to their speed or their signals or whatever. Um and when we look at that, um, first I'll say, regardless of whether you're a person of color or not, I would always advise that when you're stopped by the police, that you roll your windows down, you keep your hands on the wheel, and if you have your interior lights turned on, it what it does is it it basically tells the officer you want to be compliant you're just not sure what to do but then you can see and as an officer when i walk up i can then see if there's a threat in the back seat or um you know if there's just miss Susie trying to take her kids to soccer okay um so by keeping the hands on the wheel again it it's signaling to the officer i want to be compliant and when asked Okay, well, I understand, you know, ma'am, the reason I, sir, the reason I'm stopping you, um, do you have your license with you? I always tell people, let the officer know, yes, my license is in my pocket, it's in my back pocket, it's in the glove box, it's in my purse, because what you're doing is you're, you're alleviating some of the concern from the officer Right, I, you're reaching into your purse. I don't know what you're reaching for. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm reaching for my wallet. Okay, so it kind of takes that off, and it also allows you to talk yourself into a better position. From, you know, like the play of the game. There's all these jitters, right? And then boom, collisions happen, and now all of a sudden, it's down to playing football, right? Yeah. You know, the jitters are gone. That's what talking through does. Um, now when we add in the component for persons of color, I would like to say that it shouldn't be any different. It shouldn't. However, um, the way a lot of people in society feel right now, um, that, you know, 
color are being stopped or or shot or assaulted um, at a greater rate um, to to kind of lower the threat level or to just basically help that traffic stop or that interaction go smoother so they can feel more comfortable, again, talk to the officer. Talk to the officer with respect, also demand respect, but remain calm. Um, You know, if an officer comes up to the car and it's, what did I do? What did I do? Why are you stopping me? The only reason you're stopping me is because, well, then now two people are defensive. And and that generally doesn't work real well. Now, I know the officer is the one that's supposed to be the professional. And we expect that. But if you start out being the one giving respect, it forces the officer to be the one to give respect as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's basically try to remain calm. Um, Now, I, I get that it sometimes is difficult because the perception is that this could be it. And that's the part that pains me because right. you shouldn't feel that way. I don't care who you are. Um, but, you know, and again, we're talking about perceptions. If you feel that way as a person of color, then we have done something wrong and we need to change. Um, but that's going to start the process. Okay. And mm-hmm. until we can get significant change, right? Change takes time. <laughs> what can we do between now and then now to the time it actually changes at a wide scale level, we need to do the little things rolling down the windows, you know, right. talking calmly, um, <clears throat> talking rationally, you know, explaining things. Um, and then also, if you feel like you're not being respected, to simply say, you know, officer, I've been very respectful. I'm only asking you to give me respect back. Just to kind of, again, slow the situation down, slowing it down, giving people time to think rationally is always a good idea. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, again, we, you know, we look at perception and, you know, I know, again, that was a movie, but that was based on somebody's perception. And that's the part um, that kind of stings. It stings knowing that that's how people look at it. Because people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill, you, this this is this is CJ. Um, you know, you said some really great stuff and some really interesting things. And one of the things I, I, that you said that I really liked is about doing the right thing. Um, mm-hmm. Myself, I've had um, some very unfortunate um, interactions. Um, I have a lot of family that's in law enforcement. Two of my neighbors' best friends are in law enforcement, but. During the course of this stuff um, with George Floyd, I was on the CNN. There was a, a poll that asked um, African American men, "How old were you the first time you had a policeman draw a gun on you?" 
And it wasn't a fact that if you had one drawn, the question was how old you were and the assumption that that's a normal experience for people that come from neighborhoods and backgrounds like Everett and I come from. And, you know, for me, I was 16 um, and four times before I was 22. And and I feel like I'm one of the most non-threatening persons in society. Um, you know, I don't fit the, what people would say, the description, no piercings, no tattoos, no long hair. And the first time I was literally a hundred feet from my house and didn't think I would live to see my parents again. And so in this time, now I'm raising a 15-year-old, Everett has young men, and it is a fearful time as a parent even. I'm, I'm getting ready to buy a new car because the one of the cars that my kids drive, it has a shortage, and the turn light goes out a lot. And I don't want my son stopped because of that because I don't want him to go through what I experienced as a young man. And I think, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this. One of the things that the communities have struggled with, and Everett alluded to it earlier about uh, bad cops, or, and, and it's not always, in my opinion, bad cops, but people that do the wrong thing. And mm-hmm. yet it doesn't appear that there are consequences to it. Um, and the one that appalled me the most, and um, there was a situation in Minnesota a few years back where the young lady was, uh, on Facebook Live, her and her boyfriend got stopped. The officer asked if there's a gun. The young man says he has a gun, and the officer tells him to go ahead and get the gun, and as he reaches for it, he still shoots and kills the young man on video. He does he, he does no time for it. And, I, and so you, you get this appearance that even if I – try to de-escalate the situation even if I obey the command that fear is I still might not make it home and so my question is how how do you communicate that to communities and people like me who feel that way Um, and also how do we get over that how do we get the community and law enforcement re-engaged to the point where there is healthy conversation there is a lack of fear of those who are sworn to protect us. You know, you, you asked some great questions, and I think um, looking at it from my perspective, um, I look at it like it shouldn't be a norm. It shouldn't be a norm that um, African American young men have guns drawn on them. Um, there are times I, I would say, you know, yeah, that, that might be appropriate, but when the statistics are, um, or the assumption is all of, all of them, that's a problem. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, when, when we talk about you have a, a, a citizen who has a gun, who's trying to deescalate the situation says, I have a gun, um, I personally, and and I'm nowhere near in the same situation, okay? Um, I understand that. I, I've been very fortunate in my life or blessed or uh, whatever you might want to call it, but um, I've been stopped before as a police officer with my gun in a jurisdiction that nobody knew me. And somebody's, you know, well, okay, you have your gun on you. Where is it? 
And my response was, and what I would advocate is, if it's on my hip, then I'm going to say it's on my hip. And if they say, could you, could you take it and set it on your dash, I'm going to tell them I'm not very comfortable putting my hand anywhere near my gun because I don't want to make anyone nervous. And if you want, I'll get out and you can take my gun from me. Um, again, you, it, it sounds like you have to do more work than you should. You're, we have to. Um, as citizens, and when I'm not wearing a uniform, I am a citizen. And that's what it's the whole thing that I don't necessarily agree with is saying a civilian because I'm a civilian. I'm a citizen. Um, and citizens should expect better from the police. But until that gets all trained up and everything that we're looking to do, we need to maybe take that extra step as citizens to stay safe. Um, and the other thing is why, you know, what can we do to start shaping the, the law enforcement officials to give the community what they want? And, you know, I always say, you've heard me say it earlier, everybody has a boss. And ultimately, mm-hmm. the boss of law enforcement are the people in which we serve. In municipalities, we'll say a city, the city council, the mayor, the city uh, supervisor are the ones that hire the police chief, and then they set the tone from the department. So we need to get officials who represent our ideas and are going to demand law enforcement, fire, paramedics, city workers, it doesn't matter to follow the ideas that the community wants through their elected officials. And, and I, I, not, I, I really don't like politics at all, but one of the things I will say is that voting is very, very critical because it shapes the way your community, more than the national scene. I mean, the national scene is, is what it is, but your local community is going to be elected by us by the people in which we live in the community and that's going to shape how our law enforcement patrols how they're trained how they're either funded or how their vision is and that starts from the police chief who's hired by the city council so we need local more than anything else the local elected officials to reflect the views, the ideas, and the principles that we want them to exhibit. And that's who we need to put in power as elected officials. So that's the ultimate goal is to, is to do that. Um, but until then, we, we need to start making demands on police chiefs um, to say your officers need to treat us better um, the citizens as a whole, or we like the way you're doing business, whatever it is. Um, but we have to demand that people get held accountable. So, and that starts with the police chief and the city council. All right. Now, quick question. I know we sort of run over a little bit, but one quick question, and, and then we're going to let you go. Um, just a thought, uh, a question rather. 
why do police officers always shoot to kill? Like, if a guy's running away from you, why do they shoot to kill instead of shoot to just stop? Okay, I'm, I'm glad you actually asked that. I get asked this. I do a lot of public speaking and get asked this all the time. Um, officers uh, and, and officers are not trained to shoot to kill, okay? They're trained to shoot to the center of whatever part is exposed. So if it's normally my chest, that gives you the biggest leeway for a miss. But the problem is what's in the chest area, vital organs, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Keep in mind um, the way our body is made up, where our body is made up is a hydraulic system, right? So blood pumps through. And just like a hydraulic jack, when you jack up a car, if you put a little pinhole in it, it slowly comes down. Well, imagine a bad guy who's trying to harm you is slowly leaking. Is They can continue their attack on you. As mm-hmm. opposed to, I create a lot of blood loss, it shuts them down. Now, almost 80% of people shot by handguns survive. That's a statistic a lot of people don't understand. Um mm-hmm. So it's not actually shooting to kill. It's shooting to stop a threat. The problem is stopping the threat oftentimes leads to death. Um, so there's kind of a, uh, a correlation that people make, um, whether it's what's taught or not. It's, again, that perspective. Um, so officers are not trained to kill. They're trained mm-hmm. to stop a threat. Um, so if I shoot you, and you, even if I miss you and you threw your weapon down or you stopped trying to hurt me, I don't shoot anymore. Um, and so if we were shooting to kill, I would have to say, okay, come on. No, no, don't, don't lay on the ground. Get back up. I have to kill you. Right. So we're shooting to stop the threat when the threat level goes down to where they're no longer a threat, we stop shooting. Now, that leads to the question as to why were they shot so many times? And that gets into a whole scientific explanation, but the human body and its action versus reaction, you know, what do you see and how fast does it take for your brain to tell your finger to stop and your finger to actually stop shooting? So... Um, but the, the bigger question is we don't train to shoot to kill. We train to shoot to stop a threat. Um, so that's the, that's long and short of it. Sorry, I, I know uh, we've run over a little bit, but I just, you know, I just want to make sure if there's any questions. I want particularly the kids of today to um, to be safe and to grow up like we did, for the most part, happy. And not right. in fear. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, we're good. Good, good, good. Well, hey, we're going to take a real short break. Um, we're going to be gone for about a minute, minute and a half or so, and we'll be back in a few. Again, Phil, we definitely appreciate you joining us tonight. Some really good information. And don't be surprised if we give you a call back to, to uh, continue this at another time. All right? Absolutely. I always look forward to talking to you. CJ, it was great talking to you. 
Same here, my mm-hmm. man. All right, hold on. We're going to go to right. a quick break. Okay. The truth can hurt you, or the truth can change you. What will truth do to you? I just want to be happy. But if I keep on doing the things that keep on bringing me pain, there's no one else I can blame. If I'm not happy, wasted time, but now I can see the biggest enemy is with me. So I'm not happy. Cry yourself to sleep. Shout and raise your hands. It won't change a thing, child. Hey, Everett Sands back again with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Hey, that was a really good conversation uh, with Sergeant Abdul and uh, ran over just a little bit, but hey, I think it was worth it. But we have uh, a good friend of mine, David Crockett, who uh, is a football coach turned into businessman. Dave, how's everything going? Hey, I'm good, Everett. I'm good. Appreciate you guys having me on. This is, uh, hey, this is a blast. Hey, we appreciate having you You joining us. It's uh, definitely good. We want a uh, you know, big thing. We want just give kids a vision of success, man. And, you know, you, you've, been on, you've been a football coach, uh, so you've dealt with the development of young men, and now you're just taking that to the business side. But how has that transition been for you? Uh, it's been, it's been good. You know, um, I don't know, uh, how much, you know, I mean, obviously I, I came in a college football coach. My, my education degree at Lehigh was accounting and supply chain management. So, um, I've always loved business and being right. kind of that person in, involved in numbers, but man, I love people. And so, um, the transition has been, been really good, um, as far as, still just feeling like my calling is still the same, man. It, it is to make a difference in people's lives. It's just nice. the, the platform has changed, you know, and, and how we do that. So going from uh, the football field to the classroom and, and then to the administrative side and being an assistant principal and then now getting to uh, run a business, um, you know, is, is kind of that different circumstances surrounding it, but, the the calling's still the same and, and love just still being around people and, and getting to be that influence and, and difference maker in people's lives. Well good. You sort of gave a brief overview, but give us more specifics, like how long were you coaching college ball, how long were you in high school and how long you been in the in the Chick fil A business? Yeah, so I, I came out of Lehigh getting to play and I, I actually um went to Averett University in Danville, Virginia which is a division three school. And man, I, I loved it. I'll be honest, coming out of playing college ball, um, going into division three, it was great. I got to be the receivers coach, uh, right away and got to be so involved. And, and I still talk to a lot of, a lot of those guys that I got to coach 
um, you know, 16 years ago. Um, but I spent two years at Averett and uh, got my master's degree there as a grad student. And then um, that's when uh, me and you got to to meet and come together uh, at the Citadel under Coach Higgins um, in that 06 season. So I uh, only did college for three years um, as kind of my, my passion at that time was really, you know, I didn't care what sport it was. You know, I grew up in New Jersey and I played basketball, baseball, football, um, soccer, you know, played it all. And I just, I love athletics. I love all what competition does. And my heart at that time was, you know, I just wanted to be that influence in kids. And so I had an opportunity to take a job coaching three sports at a small private school outside of Atlanta. And so I got to do that and um, got to have a lot of fun doing that. Actually, one of the young men that I coached is um, playing in the NFL right now for the Houston Texans. Uh, Jordan Akins. So he's doing a great job out there and fun. As you know, as you had um, some of your former players on, I know they've, you had a few in the NFL and stuff. It's uh, it's fun getting to watch them on Sundays after seeing them as ninth and 10th graders running around mm-hmm. and um, doing their stuff. But uh, so I ended up um, doing that for three years. And then I, I moved back to the, the Charleston area and coached for three more at Wando high school. I uh, had a great, great experience there, um, great kids. And then um, the blessing of being at Wando was Lucy Beckham was the was the principal. And I, I jumped on board when she was the 2010 National Principal of the Year and got to uh, learn from watching her for three years, um, being a teacher. And then I jumped on her staff as an assistant principal. So I ended up coaching college ball for three. I did high school for six. And then I ended up being a high school assistant principal for four and a half uh, before I became the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A in uh, March of 2018. And you're in the Green Greensboro area, right? Yes, sir, yeah. So uh, kind of right in the middle of Winston-Salem, Charlotte, and Raleigh. We're kind of, you know, nice little – the triad, as they call it. Oh, yeah, well – I started my coaching career right up the street at Elon College. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, re- I do remember yeah. that. And then you, you made your way back for N- with NC State. So yeah. I know a lot of good yeah. NC State people. But And my wife supposedly found <laughs> uh as the place that she wanted to get her master's. Now, it just happened to be near Elon. So I don't know if that was uh, – of course, she wasn't my wife at that time. Um, so I don't know if that was planned. I'm going to go to school near him so I can go on and get him tied down. <laughs> or it just kind of happened. So, hey. Yeah. Well, hey, I know. Uh, she might She might say that you found the job at Elon after she found UNCG. But, you know, I guess uh, whoever story works. <laughs> well, hey, when I got to Elon, she was still at the university. Uh, she was in grad school at the University of Georgia. So I don't know if she can go that route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but hey, let me ask: How did athletics help prepare you for Chick Fil A? Man, it has uh, been in every which way. Um, I'll be honest, you know, coming in and taking over as a business owner, you know, I talked about a lot of the the transition of the people and the and the calling was the same. But you know, it, starting your own business and running your own business and 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 doing that is not. Um, for the faint of heart, it, it is not an easy deal, but so much of what you learn in athletics is um, knowing that you can't do it by yourself. First off, 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a you need a great team. Um, as we know, first uh, it starts with my wife. Um, she she was there to support me through that whole thing, and so, um, but building the team around, and so, you know. I mean, even from day one, just um, from athletics of learning, you know, when you're, when you're starting a business, you're starting a team, it's, you know, you kind of have that, you're getting into a new season, whatever it is, it's, you know, you're not going to go from zero to a hundred in day one. Right. And so it's just knowing, Hey, this is, this is the grind. It's um, I think John Maxwell says it really well, you know, leadership doesn't happen in a day, but it happens daily. And, mm-hmm. and that's what success is in athletics. You know, you got to show up to practice every day. You know, as a as a coach, it's it's game planning every day. It's um, doing the same drills to get better and better. And so all those things came in, in into this business because um, you know it's it, we're not reinventing the wheel every day, but you got to right. get better and better at it. And you're always trying to do things uh, the best we can. And and uh, whether that's systems in place, processes, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I think athletics taught me a lot about you know failure. Right. You know, knowing that, hey, it's not about being perfect every day, but it's about going out and doing it and learning and growing and not letting setbacks be what ends something, but letting setbacks be what creates growth and change and um, getting better. And so um, I know I would not be the man I am today or getting the lead the way I do if it wasn't for um, my athletic background and, and being a part of great coaching staff and having people like you into my life when I was a younger coach and all of those things came to play um, so much about what I do now. Right. And that is, that's definitely important to me because it's, that's the thing that I think separates, um, you know, athletics from everything else because it is such a team driven thing. Um, even your quote-unquote individual sports uh, like track and wrestling still are team sports because you can win as a team. And uh, so just being part of a team is so important. And I think that's, you know, if, if anything, that's what you miss when you step outside of athletics and sort of yearn to find is where's my team? I got to get my team in place because with my team, I can be successful. But uh, by myself, it's I'm not going to be able to get as much done. Oh, definitely. Well, even those individual sports, you know, you don't train by yourself. Correct. You may, you may compete, you know, as an individual, but you're always training and pushing. You need people to be um, there alongside you. And so, uh, you know, I use so many analogies, um, in athletics with, with our team and, you know, we're talking about just 1% each day, and, but really a lot of it, you know, I'll, as we hire people, I said, you know, you know, I'll, obviously I'm with Chick-fil-A and we want to serve people well and we want to do that, but it it's not, that doesn't happen because one person does their job well, you know, it happens because multiple people. Um, and so I talk a lot about football and basketball and everything. It's like, you know, you could have on a football field, 10 people, all doing the right thing. Um, and being a, you know, a former wide receiver, I could say, oh, you know, the running back's getting the ball. It's not a big deal. I'm on the opposite side. I'm not really going to go hard. I'm not going to block my man. And then all of a sudden that running back breaks into the second level and, and, and my guy makes mm-hmm. a play. And it, instead of it being a touchdown, it's a 20, you know, it's a 20 yard gain. 
And it's like exactly. just because I didn't feel like on that play I mattered. And so right. one of the things I try to tell people and I try to show is that there's never anything that doesn't matter. You know, I may be the owner of the business, but I'll, I'll take out the trash. I'll sweep the floor. Um, you know, I, I'll do whatever it takes because all of it comes together to make the team perform at the highest level. And that's what it's really about. And so um, those are things that I just feel like, you know, athletics in the all areas of life uh, is so great. And so, um, you know, in any which way, just learn in those, those valuable lessons of what it means to rely on others and what it means to just um, understand the importance of your role and the details of it and, and learning how to serve one another really well. That's so true. And then another part of that is, is one of the last places where kids are held accountable. And I think that is so important just because, again, because it's not just about me. It's about everybody on the team. And if I don't do my part, then it's going to be hard for this team to be successful. And that definitely rolls right over into the work world as well. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I love love seeing uh, some of my applicants say that they played a sport or anything else because you know they understand the value of being on time, of you know showing up every day, give their best, and all those little things. Or if they if they can't show up to work that day, you know you you know the ones who understand what that means to the team and what right. that is and the letdown of that. And so yeah, it, it, it's uh it's one of the to me, one of the best depictions of what we do for the rest of our lives, you know, as you know, I mean, so many of us are only so fortunate to play so long. Um, Some get to play professionally, but even then, you know, what's the average uh, NFL career, maybe three and a half years or something like that. Yeah. That's it. 3.3. Yeah. So you figure at best, you know, the, 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 the majority of folks with 98%, you know, are going to use our athletics in some other venue, but, and even professional sports are, you know, they're going to use it to move on and do amazing things. So, um, and it, it is a part of so much of what we do. And I, I feel like we learned so much about it and, you know, your previous guy on the sergeant and talking about life and talking about respect and talking about those things, and you get so much of that from athletics and, you, you get true. so much unity and what it means to, to value everybody. You know, you look at teammates and you, you look at each other, you sweat together, you, you bled together, mm-hmm. you fight together. It doesn't matter, you know, who's what color or what background or what state they're from or, you know, mm-hmm. it, all that stuff goes away. You know, it, it's yep. just about me and you and, you know, you, you create a bond that is, um, is bigger than, than anything else. And so athletics is a great, great lesson we can do from all aspects of life. Yeah. Because another part of that is they don't care how much money you have. They don't care what you can do, et cetera, et cetera. The question is, can I count on you to do your job? Can I count on you to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? And that accountability, you know, is, is what, when you're in that huddle, that's all you care about. I don't care if that guy, He's got a million dollars, but that guy don't have a pot to pee in. It doesn't matter. He can do what he's supposed to do. He can help me and the team win. Let's go. Um, yep. And it's a unified, yeah, unified vision. They yeah, yep. hold each other accountable and challenges each other. And 
true. Now, let me ask, because, you know, one of the things that, that we're constantly, we talk about is financial literacy. Um, and I think one of the things that a lot of kids uh, aspire to do is own their own business. Because, you know, one of the things when I'm recruiting, I'm sort of talking about, hey, what do you want to major in? Okay, what do you want to do with that major? Um, and you had a lot of kids say, I want to own my own business. So how did you go from being an assistant principal to <laughs> owning the Chick-fil-A? Uh, well, I will say, I'll, I'll start off with Chick-fil-A is, is a very unique um, franchise uh, opportunity, and it, it's um, it, it's not one of those where you can just say, "Hey, I, you know, I want to I want to buy this, buy into this, or anything else." They they go through a uh, a very unique and detailed um, application process, and um, where you know it, it took it took me um, over a year and a half of going through the process before I was actually uh, selected to become a franchisee for them. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I think what it was is more than anything, um, it was, you know, everywhere that you are, you have the opportunity. And I tell every kid that works for me, I get the same thing. You know, I get a lot of young kids that work for me. I go, what is your dream? What do you want to be? And a lot of them say, I want to be a business owner and trying to figure that out. And the idea is every opportunity that's in front of you, make, make good decisions and do the right thing and work really hard and have a great attitude. And know what will happen is you'll have another great opportunity, and then you take advantage of that. And so what I think happened is in my career is everywhere I went, I was able to use it and move on and grow and grow. And then all of a sudden when I look back and I go, man, how did I, how did I use that to become a business owner? But it's like it all translates in. It was like this um, progression that God just had for my life of um, learning to be a coach and learning how to lead others and developing those things and then using that. Um, every day and, and going in. And so sometimes it's not just about who has the most money or, or anything else, but it's about having a drive. It's about mm -hmm. having the right attitude everywhere you go. It's about looking at it and going, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I got to be fully invested. I got to, I got to move forward. And so I think what helped me a lot in that selection process, because I mean, they, they dig into every part of your life. You know, I'm, I was 36 at the time I applied and they're asking me, Hey, what, you know, what was high school? What was my GPA? What was um, decisions I made and really learning about who I was? Because if they're going to basically in their mind, if they're going to hand you this um, business to run and operate that represents their brand and their name, you know, they want to know that you understand and how you make decisions and all that. And I think it was just a, a combination of, of being able to use my experiences and background um, to show them that, hey, you know, I'm someone who, one, before anything else, I care for people, um, you know, and that's what I really ultimately want to do. And the beautiful thing about Chick-fil-A is, you know, that's our ultimate vision and, and mission is to be a caring company that creates a positive influence, you know, and, I, yeah. and obviously, you know, um, we, uh, we sell chicken, right, and we want to be really good at that, and we're still very competitive. But um, in the Chick-fil-A world, you know, there's a lot of former coaches. There's a lot of former athletes. There's a, a lot of former military um, because of that drive and that desire and, and those leadership skills that you learn through it. Um, 
Actually, one of the one of the guys that I went through our training with, we became uh, owner operators at the same time. Was a college football coach. Actually, was a Division One head coach. Um, it's an amazing guy, man. We had a lot of great conversations. And um, Dat Wynn, who uh, played in the NFL, is is a Chick Fil A owner operator as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of uh, uh, things in there that I think uh, just that competitive nature, um, the drive, the the passion you have, but ultimately it's the that calling. Um, and I, I heard this like a week ago. It was Steve Harvey who said it, and he said it. He said it to John Maxwell, and then actually Dan Cathy, our CEO of Chick-fil-A, said it again today. And it mm-hmm. says, "Your career is what you're paid for." So your career is what you're paid for, but your calling is what you're made for. And uh, I think you know, uh, for a lot of young people as they go and they want to be entrepreneurs, they want to do different things. Like you're going to find something that pays to me. You know, I got paid to be a college coach. I got paid to be a high school teacher and coach. I got paid to be an administrator. And now I'm getting paid to to technically run a restaurant that sells chicken. But in the end, my calling is to be a difference maker in people's lives is what I feel like I'm called to do. And everywhere I go, that's what I try to implant and then do. And it creates success that leads to the next, um, thing. And so, uh, true Kathy, our founder once said, you know, if you continue to make the right decisions, you will put yourself in the right place that when a great opportunity comes, you can take advantage of it. And I think that's ultimately what happened for me. You know, I, I took steps of faith and applied and, and went through the process. And because of just, um, learning and growing in each spot and, and using it for the fullest and, right. and, and learning as much as I could along the way, you know, I, I found myself here five years ago. If you would have said, man, you're going to own a Chick-fil-A one day. I would have been like, man, you are crazy. How in the world is that going to happen? And here we are, you know, my, yep. that's what I get yep. to do every day. And it's uh exactly. grateful, very grateful. That is great, man. That is great. All right. The last thing. Um, and then I'm going to let you get out of here because I know we started a little late. Um, what piece of advice would you give somebody who wants to excel at the collegiate level or higher? Uh, the best advice, and you know, I, this is something that I remember picking up at the Citadel, and I re- I've probably repeated it, and I don't know if you remember, it used to hang on the wall in the weight room, and it said the pain of discipline mm-hmm. versus the pain of regret. Man, I, I've, thought, I've thought about that phrase more often times. And, and so for, I would say for, young, for any young athlete who wants to make it to the next level or even further is always remember when you have a choice, is it the pain of discipline, you know, saying no to, to, to going out with friends or to doing that so you can stay home and study and make sure your grades are what they need to be. Um, you know, putting in, getting up in the morning or going to bed early enough so that you can get up and, and do the workout you need to. And, you know, they're, they're, that's the pain of discipline. You know, you got to say no to some things. You got to mm-hmm. um, maybe not watch the late show. You got to turn off the movie. You got to, you know, say goodnight to your girlfriend a little earlier. You know, it's, it's pain of discipline in the time, but it, it allows you to get the most out of what you are. Um, it, you, you steward your time so well and you steward your talent so well because you're you're taking those things and then that way when you know you're our age you're not looking back going man i wish i i wish i would have or i wish i'd do that because as you know you never think back and go man i wish i would have 
you know, watch that movie one more night, or I wish I would have stayed up late that one night, or I w- you don't think back and wish those things, you know, exactly. you wish, man, I, I wonder, could I have been faster? You know, yeah. I always think, could I have been a little yeah. stronger? Could I have, you know, and so um, I just tell them, man, you know, when you got to make those hard decisions, really think about what you want. Really think about the vision you have for what you want to achieve, and then ask yourself the question, does this help me achieve my vision or not? And if it right. doesn't, then you got to have the pain of discipline to say no. Exactly. That's true. Great words, man. Great words. Well, hey, Dave, we definitely appreciate you, um, and we definitely wish you great success in Chick-fil-A, and sometime we definitely get you back on here. All right? I would love it, man. I appreciate it. Every t- tell hello to the family for me, and yep. you guys have a yep. great time. Yeah, and tell Coach Martin, I'm sorry if I took a couple of his minutes. All right, hey, we can go to a quick break, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in a few seconds. All right. And now, for the first time in our show, is there anybody who doesn't remember the four cops? <laughs>
Talk show. We are starting our last hour and we have another great guest lined up. We have none other than Frank Martin, who's the head basketball coach at the University of South Carolina. Frank, how's everything going? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, usually a month into practice, I'm exhausted. But after what we went through this past spring and all that, man, I'm having the time of my life, man. Just being able to. To, to get in the court and, you know, on the court and work out with the guys, and, uh, you know, gives us a little sanity, man. Gets makes us feel yeah. like things are somewhat normal. Yep. Yep. And it's, that's, uh, it's been crazy. No doubt it's been crazy. So from your perspective, the spring, how is the spring? How did it sort of all unfold for you all? And, and what have you been sort of doing since that time? Yeah, it's hard, man. It's uh, you know, you go out and you recruit these guys, and and you put them in your structure, in the environment of a college campus, and your daily academic stuff, your your daily basketball stuff in the weight room, and and you know, and you get them, uh, you know, their minds programmed to work in a certain way, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then all of a sudden, they shut that thing down, and for five months. There's none of that going on, and everyone's home. And you know, as a parent, you know I'm at home trying to get my kids to to be sane because they couldn't go out. And uh, and I know our players are going through the same thing. And we're you know you try to have all these Zoom calls, uh, but you know that 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 works at the beginning, but those get old. Um, and uh, <laughs> but you know we 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 kept communicating and trying to get through it and. Uh, making sure everybody was in a good place. And, um, you know, and then uh, fortunately they started allowing us to bring guys back and got guys back in July. And, you know, little by little uh, we've been trying to manage it. And uh, now everyone's starting to do better. It's, uh, you know, to be back in structure. It's, we all need structure. You know, yep, we don't, we don't need all, all that free time to do nothing. We, we all need structure. Without structure, we all struggle. Yep, Definitely. Definitely. That is so true. So true. And for a long time, it was just stay in the house, can't do much of anything. And I'll imagine um, for some of your guys, they didn't have a gym that they can go to. Uh, so that was one of the things that happened with me. I got to, the, you know, I've been, had access to a, a college campus and a gym all my career. So I just go in and go work out there, but of course didn't have access to that. Couldn't go to any of the local gyms, and I never had the mentality to, to start my own gym in my in my house. So all I could do was push ups and sit ups and run. That got old. <laughs> that, that's the truest statement you said. We we get spoiled because we yep. you know we have all these facilities that we get to use, and and all of a sudden you're told, okay, uh, you can't use those. And uh, the the local gyms are not open, and yep. so what do you do? And you got to do the best you can, and you know. But that also allowed me, uh, you know, 
as you know, first week feels good. You just sit around, you don't do anything. You're like, wow, I haven't done this in a long time. But by week <laughs> two and three, now you're like, you know, it's like, come on, man, we got to do something. But it made me start to realize that. But this, this is the thing. It made me reflect of being a kid and growing up in a small little two bedroom, and mm-hmm. and then it made me understand uh, our players. The you know, because three fourths of our team. Uh, you know, they don't come from a nice house like I have now. They come from a house like I had when I was a kid. Exactly. And, and you're thinking like, wow, man, these guys are stuck. Five people in a two-bedroom apartment. How can they be sane? They can't go anywhere. They're stuck in there. And um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it was it was uh, difficult times trying to, trying to manage all that. Uh, but, you know, knock on wood, I think we're moving forward, and I hope it keeps going that way. Okay. Good, good, good. So – how has COVID changed your preparation from July to now? I know it's different, but but how has it been different? Yeah, well, uh, I'm a big structure guy, and I'm a big routine guy. I believe mm-hmm. in, in doing things a certain way, and, and when I get out of my routine, I get uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, not having the guys around in the spring or, or basically the whole summer because we didn't get them in until the end of July, uh, the the way we go about our business changed. So as as we, me and my strength coach, as we were uh, planning the whole spring and summer as to, all right, how are we going to handle this once everything gets back to normal, uh, we've had to adapt. And we we made August and September our summer. And, okay. uh, and you know, and then we come October, uh, we started practicing. And, you know, we're three and a half weeks into practice, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, so far so good. It, it helps us that we basically return our entire team. Nice. So it's a bunch mm-hmm. of guys that, that have been through it. Uh, they understand, uh, you know, they were rusty when they got back and they were, you know, trying to get accustomed to structure again, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they got to a good place pretty quick. And that's because of the experience. But, uh, uh but that's mm-hmm. been the biggest adjustment is trying to, uh, differentiate the, the time periods as to when we do individual player development and we focus in on strength and conditioning and, and each player becoming a better athlete uh, compared right. to running a basketball practice. And uh, we, we've had to adjust all that and be at peace. And I have to be at peace with it because mm. uh, it's, it's something that we're going through for the first time. So there's not, no one's written this chapter yet. So there's no, uh, uh, at the end of the day, no one's going to be able to say, well, you know, we should have done it this way. No, we don't know. Right. We're going through it. We'll figure it out and uh, try and make the best decisions we can. Okay, good. And uh, are there any things that you're doing that you're like, you know what, I really like the way we did that. Maybe we will incorporate this once we get back to normal? I'll tell you what, what, what happened for me is um, – I'm used to having the guys on campus like the whole summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start contemplating letting the guys go home summer one. And okay. it, it allows everyone, players, coaches, everyone to take, take a deep breath. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we get so worried about uh, – I get worried about guys being home. You know, they, they live so good on campus. Their, their quality of life, their food, they get money. They're, they, they live in a one-bedroom apartment where they're comfortable and, you know, so I'm going to kind of make it optional. I think it's still, we're still a long ways away from next summer. So who knows which way I start thinking, but, but my, my initial thought right now 
is uh, give them, you know, summer one optional. If they want to be there, be there. And, you know, they can train in the weight room and all that, take some classes. Uh, but right. at the end of the day, uh, I think being away, we were away too long, but being away a little bit, I think mm-hmm. that would be real healthy. Right, right, right. Now, I'm just, you said that you got all your team back. But I'm just curious uh, from a basketball perspective, you just spent a lot of time in the summer recruiting. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, this summer, I'm sure there was some summer basketball, but definitely nowhere near years past. So how does that affect your recruiting calendar, how you um, evaluate the guys that you're targeting? Yeah. I mean, we, we uh, the, again, lucky that we've got a real young team. Not only Not only do we have everyone – basically back from last year, but we only have one senior this year. So, so we, we're lucky that we're in a place that our roster was stable where we didn't have to run around and scramble to find players. Uh, but it's been, it's been an adjustment because you do all your recruiting on the phone. Uh, you do recruiting on Zoom. And, uh, and, and you got to trust. You get, it's like the old-fashioned way, film. You know, mm-hmm. trying to get as much film as we can you know, that's something football coaches, you know, football coaches watch a lot of film and recruiting. And yeah. us basketball coaches, we got spoiled. Let's just go sit in the gym and there's 500 kids playing. Let's just watch. Um, right. So we've had to get back to the, the, the normal way of watching film and trying to, trying to see what we like and don't like and, uh, and then mm-hmm. pursue it by, uh, by having conversations on the phone. And uh, I think it's made recruiting a little uh, pure, for lack of better words. It's uh, – right. Uh, it's it's made the communication, uh, you know, the way basketball was recruiting, we'd show up in a the gym, there'd be 500 kids playing. So they all mm. think that whatever school's there, they'll see them. This exactly. kind of made them realize, kind of like, okay, this coach really, really wants me because he calls me every day. And, right. and it's made basketball uh, recruiting a little bit clearer for everybody, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, I imagine but it's hard. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, as a coach, you know this. Get the feel for the competitive level of a young person yeah. on film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you get that in person. So, so it's, uh, yeah. there's, there's a certain component that, that I don't know how we're going to make up. I, I, I know you, when you go and you, you get out there and you're next yeah. to those athletes, you feel them. Yeah. You don't feel them watching film, you know. So, yeah. uh, but yeah. we'll see. We'll figure it out, I guess. And that, that was exactly where I was going. Like, there's some things you just can't get off a of film and you need to see, you know, such as that competitive edge that you're talking about. What happens when something bad happens? How do they react? Yep. Um, you know, it's, when something good happens, how do they react? I mean, so those are all things that you don't get unless you actually see them play. So that's... Uh, that's, that's, that's exactly right. I, and I, I had someone you know, send me some film the other day, and, and I called him and I said, hey, listen, man, I, can you send me games? He's like, well, coach, I, I sent you his highlights. I said, listen, I can send you a highlight of making me look good. So let's <laughs> – I can't, I can't do highlight tapes. Man. I need to see the game. I need – like you just said, I need to see how they handle the good plays and the bad plays. And, uh, right. uh, you know, and, and you know, so uh, – but, no, it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting to, to, to try and piece recruiting together. It really has. Now, let me ask this about recruiting. Um, I know they gave everybody a year back last year. 
Um, I know football yep. to give everybody a year this year. Is there a possibility they can give everybody another year this year, or and then if they do that, well, really, how does that affect recruiting? Is that just an added year, or is it you get that less spots? Yeah, it actually just got approved on Friday. Uh, okay. So basketball, everyone gets their year back. So okay. for this coming year, like we have one senior, we'll be mm-hmm. allowed to have 14 on scholarship if that senior chooses to come back. Okay. Um, if that senior uh, chooses seventh woods, he's our only senior. So if he mm-hmm. chooses that he wants to play one more year after this one, um, we'll be allowed to have 14 on scholarship the following year. But after that, we got to go right back to 13. So okay. it's, a, it's a, it's a one year uh, grace period for lack of better words. So I'll imagine for some schools, that's going to become a financial deal or is it, is he doubling and pick up that tab? How's that going to work? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's uh, uh, like every school losing major money. I, I know we're losing a boatload of money right now and trying to figure out a way to survive. Um, uh, I, what I think is going to happen is the following. This is me guessing. They're mm-hmm. getting ready to pass in January. Like everybody gets to transfer one time and don't have to sit. I think you're going to see a lot of schools – basically tell those senior athletes like, Hey man, we can't keep you. So you can leave and play right away. Uh, so they're going to be able to transfer and, you know, in other schools that have seniors that, that, that are going to stick around, they can sign another guy or two. So they're just going to take those transfers and, uh, you know, and, you know, and go from there. That would be my guess. I think if they pass that rule and that's going to imagine that's going to be across all sports. That's going to uh, change things a little bit. Oh my you know, God! Who, who are you telling? This is this. Just gonna yeah, they, yeah, they 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 this this whole transfer. And here's the other thing: they don't even have to tell anybody, so they can come yeah. in your office, dap you up, dap you up, say, hey, "I'm going home for the weekend." When they get home, they just leave their house and go to a new school, and you don't know anything about it. That's 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 how bad this rule is that they're putting in right now. That's crazy. That is crazy. And then, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's going to change yeah. the the whole outlook of college athletics. Yeah. Think, think about this. We're we're not going to get on a plane and fly to City A to go see some high school coach. We're going to fly right. to City A to go meet with players on a certain another college team. That's. <laughs> That's that's how it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's so the old rule where I got to get released before you can contact me. Well, I guess that was sort of thrown out once I got into the uh, portal, the transfer portal. Because once I get in the transfer portal, I can talk to who I want to talk to. So it's kind of like correct, but they correct. But even with the transfer portal, they still had to go tell the compliance person. So right. you've got a heads up to somebody who's trying to transfer. Right. Now it is going to be like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I'm, I'm just telling you, they, they'll come in on a Friday, dap you, hug you, and instead of come back and go to class Monday, they go to the other school on Monday. And, and, and you don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's, that's going to be crazy. That's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lottie. That's, that's – uh, 
that's going to be a wild, wild west of uh, college athletics. Uh, you know, you know what's going to happen is you're going to have some coaches like have some confrontations out on the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, you're going to end up having some guys square up, square up, and 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 go the old-fashioned way as men uh, because yeah. of this, and uh, it's unfortunate, but but that's the that's the environment that we're all going to get put in right now. Yeah, yeah, because it's. You know, uh, imagine, regardless, you're gonna have a kid that thinks he's playing more than he's playing. Um, yep. Then okay, well then fine. I just transfer. And hey, then think have about to this. Think team. about this one. Hey, think about this one. We're playing. Your team's playing my team. The game right. ends. We're all shaking hands, and I got that one kid. I didn't play very much, and I yelled that during the game. And, yeah. and you walk by and say, like, "Yo, my man, I got a spot for you." <laughs> That's that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> and then next week he'll be over there. Yeah, so, man, that's it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so here's the thing: so they can transfer mid year, and and be able to play right well, away. That's well, that's what they're trying to put when when they put the final rule in. They're trying to put the wording in in a way where it protects from that happening. So okay. you can't you can't play you can't be a school A first semester and play for school B second semester. That's what they're trying to they're trying to make sure that at least they block that. <laughs> I don't know. They might not be able to. It's uh, it crazy. Wild, wild it is going to be the wild wild west. But speaking of wild wild west. Football had a great win this past weekend against Auburn. Yep. Being, uh, and I would imagine just, just that excitement is going to definitely help with basketball. Oh, hands down. Hands down. It's uh, Football is the sport that kicks like the sees the year off for everybody. And it right. picks up people's right. morale and it gets people excited and it you know, football does well. It adds to the excitement of basketball season. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. they go hand in hand, and uh, mm-hmm. so you know those guys are friends. Um, um, it's uh, I, I've seen them work. Uh, those kids work hard. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was excited that that they got that win. Um, you know, maybe they can uh, take advantage of that game and build confidence. I know the work ethics there. Now they can build confidence and get a little momentum and and figure out a way to win some games because that picks up the morale for the whole campus. Like, yep. you know, and because of this pandemic that we've all been in, everyone's in this world of gloom and doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we need, we need that to help us all kind of feel better and walk around taller and, uh, you know, and just feel better about the whole thing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, that was a huge win for them. And they got a, Another tall task this week with LSU. Um, but I think LSU is at a crossroads themselves trying to figure out, hey, are, are, are we pretty good or, or what's going on? Because they haven't had a the season that they thought they would have up to this point. So that's going to be a, a huge game for both teams. Yes, so, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. We're about, uh, about a month away before you all start playing. Yeah, we're we're still trying to schedule. Yeah, we're trying to schedule one more game uh, okay. because we've you know some because the the season changed the dates, so right. we're trying to schedule one more game. 
the the opening we have right now is for opening night, November 25th. Uh, and we're trying to find somebody for that game. So uh, uh, we're, we're battling because it's hard. You know, nobody wants to really travel a long ways. Exactly. And and, uh, uh, and then number two, there's not enough money for guarantees. So the amount of money that, you know, we usually pay a school to come in to play that one game, mm-hmm. uh, it's not – uh, it's not in place, you know, and uh, right. and then from a scheduling standpoint, I I I can't have another home and home because I'm traveling too much this year, and then mm-hmm. next year we're having the returns of home and homes, so I'm traveling too much next year. So I I, I just need a home <laughs> game to so it's, it needs to be a pie game, and uh, we're right. fighting trying to find that last game. I hear you. Now they haven't really changed the length of the season. They just pushed everything back, right? Well, they eliminated uh, the first two weeks of the season. Okay. The season was supposed to start on the 10th. They pushed it back okay. to the 25th. So any okay. game that was under contract between the 10th and the 25th, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the game was the contract automatically was voided. Um, so. Um, you know, but then league plays to start first week of January. The mm-hmm. league decided they wanted to start in December. So then it kind of pushed some stuff from the end of December, you know, off our schedule. So we, we've had to kind of juggle some things around. And uh, we, we've, we've got it real close to figure it out, but it's, it's, been, it's been somewhat interesting. Yeah, well, this has been probably the most interesting year that any of us can remember. That's the truth, and what what I try to do to keep me sane is if my mm-hmm. biggest problem is trying to figure out a way to get the schedule done, right. that makes me real lucky com- com- considering some of the challenges that some people are dealing with and people dying and uh, not mm-hmm. having jobs. And so I, I try to – I'm trying to keep perspective, man, so I don't I don't get worked up and, 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 and allow uh, a problem like scheduling – uh, mm-hmm. Make me lose the perspective of what's real out there. Exactly, exactly. It is, it is definitely real. It is definitely real. And PJ uh, is. I haven't had as much uh, interaction with it as CJ has. And CJ is also a pastor, but he's uh, had some things happen in his family. Um, so it's it's definitely real, and I know it. So we definitely got to be thankful for the the. Uh, situation that we have because it could be worse usually we get all mad at you lose a recruit uh, the schedule you lose a game you know mm-hmm. the life we live as coaches oh yeah and right now if we got health yeah that's first and foremost if mm-hmm. if we still have our job that's yep. that makes it that much easier because you can provide for your family so all the exactly. problems that we usually lose our minds about we, we, man, that, that, that's got to bounce off of us this year. We, we can't get wrapped up in that. Definitely. That is so true. That is so true. So, hey, the hour. Quick question. All right. As we get ready to wrap uh, this down, um, what words of wisdom would you give uh, a young person that's trying to pursue opportunities to play at the next level? Wow. Um, don't ever give up on your dream. I mean, you know, that, that it's uh, the one thing we don't control is who opens a door for us. 
All we mm-hmm. control is putting every ounce of effort that we have into chasing our dream and not allowing anything to discourage you from chasing your dream. And, uh, and that work ethic that you develop internally, that intrinsic motivation uh, that you develop because you're not trying to please anybody. You're trying to chase your dream. Eventually, somebody cracks a door open. And when mm-hmm. they crack that door open, man, then just bust through that door, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that you're, you're so confident uh, in who you are. And, <clears throat> and you have a work ethic that's going to make the people who crack that door open drag you in and say, man, you ain't going nowhere. So uh, just uh, uh, chase that dream, man, and don't let anything ever deter you. Man, that is so important. So important to chase that dream. We really appreciate that. Well, hey, uh, Coach Martin, good luck to you and uh, the basketball game talks this year. And uh, we'll be definitely looking for you all to get opportunity. Hopefully we playing in a dance. Hopefully we'll have a dance this year. And you get an opportunity to go down there and, and try to better up what you did a couple of years ago. I like the way you think, brother. I like the way you think. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed and and hope that the season's played and uh, and, and we'll go lay it on the line and make the best out of it. Definitely, definitely. Well, hey, we're gonna take another quick break. And uh, again, coach, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us. And we'll be back in a few. All right, brother. Stay safe.
Hey, this is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We had a great group of guests tonight. Um, again, we started off with Eric Banks, who's a rookie defensive lineman with the L.A. Rams. Um, Eric, is uh, he played at the University of Texas, San Antonio. Again, he was a quarterback, CJ. Think about that now. He was a quarterback in a defensive end in high school. And he got offers yeah. to play quarterback. I mean that, wow. that's 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 not a combination you see that often, and uh, and of course he was only 220 pounds coming out of high school, and now he's 280, and he's a, he's got his hand in the ground, and and uh, look for him to do some big things in the future. And one of the things that he he left us with, just talk about the words for the kids was consistency, and that is something that I, I believe is so true, because one of the things that I, my players have heard me say is. In order to be great, you must first become consistently good. Because anybody can have a great year. Anybody can have a great game. But to do it over and over and over again, that's how you get that title of great. And uh, so consistency is definitely key. You also talk about being disciplined, responsible, and knowing yourself. If you know you struggle with something, hey, man, you got to work on it. Which, again, goes back to what we hit on earlier today. The first step about change is awareness. If you know you got trouble waking up early in the morning, then you got to make sure you're going to do something to uh, to correct that. But it's something that you got to do, and I thought it was a great word for him. And then we had a, a, a great conversation with, with uh, Phil Abdul, one of our old teammates. And that, there's a lot of good information in that, man. There's a lot of good information in that. And and I agree that we've got to bridge that gap between something that is justified, legal, and right, and something that's justified, legal, and wrong. And, and I guess that's how those guys have, quote, unquote, gotten off CJ, because it was justified and legal, but it was just wrong. And we got to make sure we can close that gap to uh, make sure that those guys that are doing wrong are held accountable even though it was justified and legal. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear that aspect from Phil. And, uh, you know, in the time that we live in, I think that's important. I think that we all want the same things, and it's it's needed. So I I thank God that there's people like Phil and other people that Mm -hmm. that are training our officers, and I, I believe that we'll start to move towards that point. Right, right. And then another good word he talked about, which was, you know, what what our moms taught us, you know, be respectful. And at the same time, you can defuse a situation by, excuse me, um, I'm showing you respect. I would appreciate if you can do the same with me in a calm manner. I think that's the key yes. right there, CJ, in a calm manner. If you do it with a raised voice, it's not going to be good. But if you do it in a calm manner, I think that could, it, it can be effective. Um, and then the other thing that he, that he said there is that they got a boss. And that's another thing that I often talk to my guys about was don't ever get into an altercation with a person of authority in public because you're going to lose that battle every single time. Because even if they're wrong, they feel like they're right because they're the person of authority. So right. 
You know, hey, okay, I'm gonna take this right now, but I'm gonna call your boss later. Right. And and that's uh, I think a way you gotta try to handle that. Because again, if you try to bow up, it's not gonna be good for you. Yeah, I thought that was great advice. You know, don't don't try to win that argument on the side of the road. You know, let mm-hmm. you know, stay calm, let the situation play out. And if you're a young person, underage, you know, get that information home to your parents. Let your parents uh, take up that fight. Um, and if you are an adult, even then, don't don't fight that there. You know, take it to their boss um, at a time and present your case and present the the facts as you saw it at that point. Mm-hmm. That's true. No, that's true. And then the last point that we're going to talk about that I think is extremely important, especially today, being that we're two weeks away, is he said you need to get out and vote. Talking about your elected officials are the ones that hire the police chiefs. And if they don't share your beliefs, you need to get those elected officials out of office. And it starts with a vote. So make sure you get out and vote. It's extremely important. And the, uh... yeah, that that was very on point there because, you know, you, you think about it and there's a lot of, uh, and it's important too, the national election is certainly important and it is a big deal, but it's those local officials, those local mm-hmm. ordinances that really mold your day-to-day interactions. And too many times when there's not a presidential election, we don't pay attention to those other elections. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, what uh, Phil said was very important from that aspect. And, you know, we should take the time to participate in that part of the process all the time. Yep, that's true. That is very true. And I said that was the last thing, but the last thing for real that I thought was different, and I just, I guess I've heard different things or seen, is that officers are not trained, are not trained to shoot to kill, but they're trained to shoot to stop a threat. Um, so, I mean, there's so many questions about some of the things that we've seen and we can take that conversation on and on and on, but but we're gonna go on. Um, Dave Crockett, uh, who was a football coach and now he's a Chick Fil A owner, but it seems like he has found his well, he's found his calling before, and he's in his calling. Just what he's called to do has changed. So whether it's been coaching on the collegiate level, whether it's coaching at the high school level whether it's being an assistant principal. Um, and I had an opportunity to work for Dave for a couple of years. He's definitely one that wants to help develop young people uh, or develop people. And uh, and I think he's had the opportunity to do that now in his current calling of being a Chick-fil-A owner. Yeah, his his background and story is very interesting and very um, inspirational. And uh certainly something that all of our callers, but especially our young callers could take a lot from and, and help mold their future desires and dreams. And uh, I, I really, I enjoyed all the guests, but I thought he really, really was good. And, and even gave me some things, put some things in my mind to think about. Mm-hmm. Which the, the big thing that he said uh, was your career is what you paid for, but your calling is what you made for. And that's that's profound right there. That's profound. Absolutely. And then we had Coach Martin on. Coach Martin's a treat. Yeah. They they have definitely experienced a little something different with basketball and, 
and it sounds like they were young last year, um, and they're going to be fairly young this year, but it got everybody back intact. Uh, so I expect them to do some big things, and, and I know with, with Coach Martin at the helm, they will, because uh, he's an intense guy, and he definitely gets the most out of his players, and he cares about them. You know, and I think they they understand that he cares about them as a person first. Um, and that's how he's able to get so much out of his guys. But I, I definitely expect him to do some, some big things. And, and the word that he gave us as far as the advice for the kids is don't give up on your dream. And just put everything you got into it. And I think that's that's so important. And, you know, that, that goes right into what we want to do here at the West Foundation is – one, understand that you don't have to be um, a professional to be successful, but you got to chase the dream. And chasing that dream is going to develop some things inside of you that's going to help you in life. Um, it's going to develop that work ethic uh, that, that you need to have to be successful regardless of what you end up doing as a professional. And that, that is something that I, I think is huge. That is huge. And, and CJ, you know we got to chase a dream, man. we got to chase the dreams. Yeah, absolutely. That certainly molds so much of what you become in life and really just giving young people, I think, that that hope and the audacity to dream, right, to, to be whatever it is they want to be and, and desire to be. And, um, yeah, Coach Martin, he's, uh, man, he's full of fire. He's, he's a great, great conversationist. So. Now you were saying earlier that you actually, uh, when you was playing or you was in high school, you you played against his teams, right? Yeah, we used to uh, go to a lot of the camps um, that Miami Senior used to be at um, in the uh, mid to late '80s, and uh, they they always had great teams. I, I believe he was the assistant at that time, and um, you know Miami High School, Northern High School, uh, Pompano Beach, Ely down in that area. Uh, Eddie Jones came out of there, and uh, we used to have a lot of great battles um, with our high school basketball team against those those uh, big schools down south. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Well, hey, well, now it's time just to talk a little bit more about what the week has in store. All right. First of all, um, before we get to football, I would imagine that it's time to start watching a little baseball because we're now in the World Series. We got the Tampa Bay, and we got the Dodgers. Who are you thinking to pull this out? Well, I'm certainly rooting for the Rays, being uh, from Florida. Um, I know the Dodgers have a bigger payroll, and they have some really good talent. Um, you know, I think the pickup of Mookie Betts really helped uh, elevate them to another level. But <clears throat> the Rays team, man, they uh, they play some good ball. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, doing this this bubble experience, and uh, I, I think that sometimes you you have these teams of destiny, right? And um, I, I think that might be the Rays this year. Right. You know, I was looking at uh, some stats um, earlier this week, and it was saying how the Rays their home runs um, was like sixty percent of their runs in the playoffs. Whereas during the season, it was only like 40% of, the, of their runs. Um, so are they going to be able to continue to hit the long ball 
like they've been. Now the Dodgers have hit a lot of long balls. That's that's kind of their deal. Right. But is, is Tampa Bay going to be able to continue what they've done in the playoffs, or, or is it just going to be more of a pitching battle? But it's it should be a good series. Uh, I'm anxious. I yeah. know that the Dodgers got it might have a little edge because they just came off that three-one um, deficit, and and now they're they won three straight, and now they're playing for the uh, the the big one, the World Series. Um, so will that momentum be to their advantage, or will the rest that Tampa Bay have be to their advantage? So it's uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good series. I'm, I'm looking forward to to watching some of it. Now on to football. Um, I think one of the biggest games this week is going to be USC and LSU, and uh, I think it's it'll be an important game for USC to keep their confidence, and I think it'll be a big game for LSU to start building their confidence back up. So uh, that's gonna be an interesting one. Who do you have on that one? You know, I'm I'm, I'm liking USC in that one. I, I'm, I'm liking the momentum, the the confidence they have coming off a big win uh, against Auburn. Um, and I, I gotta think there's some some doubt possibly creeping into that program in LSU. You know, I know in the mm-hmm. media there are a lot of people talking about it. You know, were they a one hit wonder? Did they catch lightning in a bottle with you know the season they had last year and uh, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's different, right? You deal with eighteen and twenty-two year old kids, and they yeah, they yeah. they hear all that stuff. Yeah. And so I, I got to think that um, Coach O and his staff has a, a big task ahead of them to try to put some confidence in those young people. And you know, I think Coach Muschamp and his group, I think they're riding pretty pretty high and probably feel pretty mm-hmm. good about themselves. Yep, exactly, exactly. Now here's one thing that's an interesting deal now. LSU and their losses have probably given up 350-plus yards of passing. Now, USC hasn't necessarily lit it up from a passing perspective. I would imagine just looking at the stats that they're going to see some things uh, in the passing game that would definitely benefit them. So that might be part of the uh, key for USC is to pick that deal up um, from a passing game wise and going and hit LSU where they've been weak. Then, just speaking of again, staying in the SEC, you got Alabama and Tennessee. Alabama just came off a great win versus Georgia. Um, Tennessee uh, is, can be a thorn in their side. They, they haven't beaten them in a while, I know. But, of course, their head coach was at Alabama, so I'm sure he's going to have his guys ready to roll. Do you think Alabama just rolls over? Do you think Tennessee going to give them a good fight and find a way to be close to the fourth quarter and then find a way to win? Now, what do you think of that game? Uh, I, I definitely think uh, Alabama gets the win. Uh, Tennessee's a hard team to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they have some experience there. They have an experienced quarterback. Um, you know, I think they – took a tough loss against Kentucky last week. And, um, you know, you, they're a team that you seem to expect more out of. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't quite come together. So, um, you know, I think, I think Alabama wants to prove to people that the gap between them and Clemson is not quite as big as, as some of us think it is right now. So I, I think, right. I think Bama takes them to the woodshed this week. Well, then you talk about Clemson. Clemson got Syracuse. Um, I feel bad for Syracuse. 
a great weekend of college football. There's going to be more of it because the Big Ten is jumping in. And I guess we've got a couple of weeks before the Pac-12 uh, joins in the fun. Um, but anxious to see what those teams in the Big Ten are looking like. And imagine for them it is week one. So some of those woes you see in week one you might see in some of the Big Ten games. So I'm looking to, for an opportunity to sit down and watch some football. You ready to yeah, watch the Yeah, especially with the Big Ten being back. You know, because I think uh, I think everybody wants to see Ohio State, right? I mean, that's uh, right. I think everybody thinks that uh, Lawrence goes one, Fields maybe goes two, at least the top two mm-hmm. quarterbacks in the NFL draft next year. And uh, Clemson has already established themselves. And, you know, Ohio State's been at home uh, chomping in the bits to show everybody, hey, you know, we had a chance to knock them off last year and, I'm, I'm sure they feel they're just as good as, as Clemson, and, you know, we'll get right. to see what they look like Saturday. Exactly, exactly. And another time, we won't, we don't have time to do it today, but we will, because I will get CJ back on as, as my co-host, so we can have this discussion that we've had before about which one is better, the SEC or the Big Ten. <laughs> love to, love to. <laughs> Definitely, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you joining me tonight. It's been fun. Uh, we had a lot of great guests on, and, you know, it's a lot that we can take from this, um, not just from a athletic standpoint, but a life one. And, hey, so, yeah, again, absolutely. I appreciate it. And look forward hey, it's to my honor, my friend. Hey. Yes, thanks sir. Again. And just, Everybody man, just thank you for all you do for those young people. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, the key is we just want them to be successful. That's all. We want to give them that vision of success. Uh, we want to not just give them a vision, but help give them some tools that they can put in their tool belt so that they can. Be and, uh, and that's the key. And that's what our goal is. So you can always find the West Foundation at WES. FFC.com Again, WESFFC.com We're on Twitter um, at WSFFC We're on Instagram at the West Foundation We're on Facebook at the West Foundation So please follow us um, Please support us Because everything we do for the kids Is free for the kids And we want to make sure we keep it that way But everybody have a great night We look forward to seeing you next week God bless Anytime, just let me know. I appreciate it. Say, bro, you do a great job with this, man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. All right. You got me? You still there? Or did I lose you? All right, he gone. Okay. They kicked me off. They kicked me off.